0: You're listening to the best of the MTJC podcast
1: so hey everybody welcome to episode 198 of the more than just code podcast my name is tim mitra and i am in toronto ontario and i'm joined once again by jaime lopez jr in seattle washington how's it going and also joined by tammy Coron down in west tennessee hey there and we're not joined by greg or mark because they're wandering around in san jose enjoying the festivities of WWDC 2018, which is what this episode is about, surprisingly. So we'll dig in, shall we? Sure. So we have we have no follow-up either, which is strange for us. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at here. There isn't
2: anything, even in the uh, take the long-term view and everything is eventually follow-up. I couldn't uh, couldn't find any follow-up for this week.
1: Really? Interesting. Well, I guess we'll dig right in. So um, I saw a tweet earlier by a friend of the show, Evan Deckheiser, um, who uh, was once a scholarship entrant. Entrance. Into WWCN, I believe he got in last year on a scholarship. I'm not sure. 2016, 20 no 2017. Uh, anyway, he posted a, a, a tweet here, and I'll link it in the show notes. That uh, and with a link to this, that he's, he's glad to see that the scholarship winners are actually getting a place on the app stores. So, congratulations to the scholarship winners! So, Apple's got them on the on the app store.
2: I think it's rather nice, and it and it, it seems very appropriate because um you know it'll I'm, I'm sure they're starry eyed seeing their their app not just in the app store but also you know it, essentially being shown as like an editor's choice sort of thing, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I think it benefits both parties really. Indeed. Yeah, think about it. You know, like like Jaime said, the winners kind of have that, hey, that's really cool. My app's not only, or my, yeah, my app's not just on the App Store. It's also sort of being featured. And that might encourage new developers to get into the game and try and get these scholarships, which is just growing the Apple ecosystem for Apple. You know, more developers means more stuff.
1: And I surprised to fine i was going to talk about a scholarship winner later in the show but uh, she's actually an adult but she got a scholarship i'm not quite sure she told me a little bit about, about her background but uh, so it's not just for students i guess right getting a scholarship i'm not sure what the rules are for that maybe that's follow-up for next week anyway all right so let's move on to our uh, we have some oh i guess these are follow no these are main topics right so the first big main topic here's from jaime yeah
2: this was rumored i think rather strongly on sunday or maybe saturday and then maybe official on monday the day of wwc and that would be uh, microsoft agreeing to buy github in a deal an all stock mm-hmm. deal worth 7.5
1: billion dollars an all stock deal
2: yeah so they didn't they didn't actually like cut them a check and be like hey here you go here's some money um and from what people were analyzing they were saying that well given the bump in microsoft stock it was almost free for them to buy github <laughs> oh, right
1: right interesting mm-hmm. uh, well i guess these guys can can they are they going to continue to keep their jobs and stuff like that i guess so right
2: yeah there's going to be some some changes so uh github was already looking for a new ceo their uh, their current ceo oh, right. and co-founder uh chris Wanstrath, i think his name's pronounced uh, is going to become a microsoft technical fellow um okay and cool. the new ceo would be nat friedman who was the founder of xamarin that would be the uh open source implementation uh, of net right, right um that also allows you to do the like you know write your apps using net for for ios and android sort of thing
1: so and and you know of course all the and they, all the people were I think, a lot of people were in shock on Sunday when the rumors started coming out, and I guess when when it actually became official. But there, I've a link in the show notes here from Microsoft's official blog from uh, Satya Nadala, Nadella, who is actually the chief CEO of Microsoft, talking about how Microsoft plus GitHub equals empowering developers. And so I guess they're positioning it that that this is going to be good for the development community all all told, right?
2: Yeah, I mean it has been sort of interesting to watch this online because it's it's sort of like a Rorschach test to see how you feel. about about GitHub and, and Microsoft. I, I think my take on it is GitHub was a company that was burning through cash like crazy. They 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 had revenue, right? So they, they charged money for, for some stuff. So it's not as if they were completely dependent on like ads or something, but it was, I think, pretty clear that they were just a little bit too cost-heavy to really be attractive for further venture capitalist investment and kind of unlikely that they could hang around long enough to do an IPO. So having somebody like a Microsoft come in who has boatloads of cash at their disposal and aligns, in my opinion, rather well, right? Like, Microsoft is getting back to its roots of, oh, we should be really good about making developer tools that can be available everywhere. And part of that everywhere is GitHub, right? So I think this is, in my opinion, a pretty positive thing.
1: Well, it's also a safe play for them too, because if you think about it, I mean, in spite of where Windows or or whatever phone they come up with next week um, fizzles or fails or whatever, the fact that, you know, I think everybody and his brother keeps their code on GitHub, right? I think, you know, um, I think I might have a a few things left on GitHub, but, um, you know, the the different platforms around the world like we all those those stack overflow uh, surveys we go through every year and list off all the you know the popular applications I mean they're all using github you know unless there's some reason why they wouldn't private privacy or whatever but um they're all using github for the code and if you, I mean like it's it's part of your resume these days you got to have a github page right in some cases right
2: yeah and I, I think a lot of the the other opinions on this I, I think they end up stemming from kind of which ecosystem do you come from and less less so but track kind of nicely with what version of Microsoft is the version of Microsoft in your memory. And I think people who came through the 90s and are very more, you know, vocally angry at Microsoft for its business practices during that Bill Gates and and part of Steve Ballmer era, like they hate this, right? They're very distrustful. They they think uh, embrace, extend, extinguish is the first thing. I think people who are younger than that, so just getting into the development came relatively early, they've seen the happier Microsoft, the Satya Nadella-driven Microsoft that's like, hey, we'll support Linux on Azure. Why not? Oh yeah, we'll support Node.js. We'll become the biggest contributor to open source, right? We we saw those numbers somewhere. It was like a Stack Overflow survey or GitHub survey or something. It was like you would think it's Facebook. You would think it's Google. But guess what? They lose. It's Microsoft that is by far the biggest open source contributor. Like like that's just the fact of the matter, right? When it comes to at least GitHub's view of it.
1: Yeah, it's almost sort of leading from behind the way Apple does. In in I mean, because they've been really off of our radar for a number of years. I mean, I. Like I said, I grew I grew up through the '90s, and Microsoft was always the evil empire. In fact, you know, uh, one of my son's best friends went to Microsoft right out of school, and uh, and still there, right? And uh, he lives in near you. He's one of your neighbors. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of uh, they just started showing up like in the last you know year or so. Like they started coming more and more present now. Now they're they're in our. Fa- I guess maybe when we, when they bought Skype, right, was kind of when they started coming back into our under our radar, right?
3: Yeah, I, I think. I'm- I'm going to start putting my code under my mattress from this point forward. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's not a secret that I'm not a huge fan of Microsoft. I never really been after I made the switch to the, to the Mac. And although I'm not a fan, I want to take a wait and see approach just because Microsoft owns something doesn't immediately make it bad. I've seen stuff that they've, (laughs) well, I've seen stuff that they've touched that that's really good. And I've seen stuff they touch that turns bad. Skype is one of those things in my opinion that turned bad. If if GitHub ends up the way Skype, in my opinion, ended up, I'll probably not use GitHub as much. If, however, it turns into something like I like Microsoft Office, I think that that product has really improved over the years. And I when I have to do stuff like that, I enjoy using it. So if they do that with GitHub, and I know you know they didn't go out and buy Microsoft Office, but if they continue to make GitHub the way that it's operating, and they build on it and they make it better, I don't care whose name is on it.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, mind you, I switched over to Bit, Bitbucket years ago. Um, well, that's you know, what I, I mean use. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no I, only I, use I,
3: GitHub because they forced me to use it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was saying, like, like I know that a lot of organizations that I, I still work with, I work with one in particular that, that, you know, put, I get notifications from GitHub all the time and I'm, I'm part of the team and, and I see the repos and stuff like that. But if you go to my repo on, on GitHub, you won't find anything because there's nothing there to see. Right. So, um, you know, that's, yeah.
3: that's the big argument there. There are so many different services out there that all provide the same or similar things. Some do parts of it well, while others do those same parts terribly. And, and it's not, it's not a world in which there's just a single tool for a single job or a single tool for every job from chat to, yeah, GitHub's been there, but I mean, you know... Still, things change. People come. People take over. They start working on the code, and, and it turns to a disaster. I just think that keeping your mind open is a good thing.
1: Yeah. So, but GitHub has nothing to do with the Git language or the Git. I don't. Know, what know, is it? What is it? Language or tool? The
2: uh, version control Source tool uh, system. Yeah, that's controlled. actually
1: a rather good point because people forget that like
2: Git was created uh, by uh, Linus Torvalds as a decentralized, de- uh, distributed version control system. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hypothetically, even right now with with GitHub the way it is if there are 90 sorry 100 uh copies of you know whatever your open source project is and 99 of them fall into the ocean you know like everybody's laptops at the beach they just fall in the ocean you're still okay because you still have at least one that's sitting on that hundredth laptop right, right this isn't right. uh like cvs or svn where like there is a master mothership repository and everybody is is synced off of that this is this is something that you know if you don't like it you can use an alternative you know move your repo to Bitbucket, move your repos to GitLab, and I'm sure there's others that I'm unaware.
1: Of. Or put the put the, yeah put a drive under your mattress. Um, so is it a federated kind of service, or is it like does it have data centers and stuff like that? The Git is just a just a tool. You can you probably
2: have it on your Mac laptop. Um, I think it's pre-installed if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you can just create Git repositories in your own machine. And if and if hypothetically you wanted to share it with your friend, you could just make that available to them. Right? It's it's kind of more of a hassle, but it's it's doable. And I think that was part of the big selling point for GitHub and that it made it easier to synchronize on the sorts of things where, all right, well, here is the, like by convention, the repository on GitHub is the master and or the upstream. And we all have our own sort of local copies of it and we can decide what we want to do. And, and forking is possible because it's easy to say, you know what? Forget that. I don't really like the way this project is going. I'm going to have my own flavor of this open source project.
3: Yeah. git's get just the technology. Get, GitHub is just the, the app on top of it is another way
1: to, to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, speaking of keeping things the same, um, here's an article that I, I found during the week just after, I guess the day that WWDC launched, um, or day before maybe, uh, talking about can Apple stay Apple speaking of which. So, and this is an article about, um, Apple getting into the same kind of revenue streams that, uh, the other players, um, in terms of ad, ad network playing, I guess, um, that, uh, Facebook and Google are involved in. Right. So, uh, I, and, and, you know, we were talking about this before the show as to whether or not, you know, App, what Apple's original position was. The, the author of this article talks about how, you know, Steve Jobs would never have done this. But, in fact, you know, uh, you pointed out that he, in fact, was behind or involved with iAd. So, of course, they are they involved in it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's also – it's there's also the concept of leaving money on the table. Why wouldn't Apple get in, involved in something where there's there's um, some money to be made? What what fault is there in doing that, right?
2: I don't really fully understand it because it, it seems to me as it paints the world. World into black and white that you are even stuff that isn't true with Apple, even though it, there is some truth to it. That is, you know, all they can do is create these shiny hardware products and sell those, and they they focus on that. Or your Google and Facebook who charge you for nothing and sell uh, advertising. Right? It, it, it's somewhere in between, even for for all those companies. um I don't fully understand the idea that oh well uh, there you go black and white. Apple does ads. Guess what? They're just as bad as as Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, and those were unreasonable things. Things people are bringing to mind. Um, I think this is a very absolutist sort of view of the world. I think mean, there are ways for Apple to do this that, that don't just give away the keys to the kingdom the way that Facebook foolishly did. And I don't think it's really quite the same thing in terms of where are the incentives aligned, right? And we're in a post-GDPR, uh, General Data Protection Regulation world, where even if you were extraordinarily cynical about Apple's intentions, if nothing else, you should believe that they don't want gigantic uh, lawsuits and or... Um, Uh, regulatory fines coming their way. So just have some faith that it will be uh, at least legally compliant. And then if you're more reasonable, I think you'll say, yeah, you know what? Apple is going to have people's best intentions in mind because they're spending so much time and effort on the privacy and security angle, especially at this year's WWDC, that it doesn't seem reasonable to to think like, oh yeah, now they're just exactly in the same bucket as Facebook and Google, which doesn't seem exactly fair.
1: Yeah, and there were some factual issues that I have with the article. He talks about Steve Jobs saying that Apple would make its money selling great products and services as well. In fact, Apple's... I don't think that... I mean, that, that obviously is core to what Apple's intention is, but their approach is to sell experience, right? I mean, the whole, even quotes Simon Sinek in here, but we'll to start with why, you know, people buy Apple because of because of, they trust Apple. They uh, trust Apple to take care of their work and make, their, make it easy to use and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, which could be argued, but... Um, and he's talking about how, you know, basically Google and Facebook are making money off of your personal information, and, and he's sort of saying, why would Apple do that? And I don't think Apple would I mean, especially in light of what we've been saying on this show over the last little while, that that you know, Apple isn't interested in your personal information. Um, they're fine without it, and and uh, and and they think you. They're trying to protect you from yourself in a lot of cases, right? They're so they don't need to. I think that he's wrong in this article about how what the intention is behind doing this, and I, and I think it's all about why would Apple you know not allow people empower people, I suppose, to to have ads on the on the network and that kind of stuff. They have a they have a market of people. And they can they can um, you know vet who gets on it and uses it right. Is this around? The, is this around the stuff lately that that people can buy um, or can advertise products through different services on Apple? Become a little foggy on that. It's, you're, you're foggy because this is not something that has been officially announced by
2: Apple. It was not announced at WWDC. It was in the rumor mill just prior to WWDC's keynote, and it it, it seems the current flavor of the rumor I've heard is that they're going to start this network that's meant more. for... Or I think the probably the larger players is what I'm understanding. Where if you're somebody who has a very large audience, like a Pinterest or a Snapchat, um, and you've got content going in there, then somehow people will be able to buy ads within those um, within those app experiences. And and I don't know what Apple's take on this is, but I am imagining it something like, all right, well you're viewing some um, some pin board on Pinterest. It's like, oh wow, like really do love green couches, and then oh go here. Go here's an ad to Wayfair.com. You can buy a green couch almost exactly like this for one ninety nine. Just tap here to get it. Or you're on Snapchat and you're looking at you know I don't know whatever the latest thing that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are wearing at the Grammys. Oh wow, I sure would love to have those. Oh, here's an ad for I don't even know (laughs) eBay.com because I can't. I'm not in the fashion industry, so I don't know where people would normally go for that. But I think that's sort of the description for that um but it's really hard to say exactly what it will be um i imagine it being sort of like iad um perhaps not the sort of thing you could just randomly buy into like iad or um hopefully is not something that will look kind of kind of crummy the way that iad could towards the end of its days when sort of the major the big players had jumped off and it was just random joe bob in his basement buying ads
1: yeah yeah i mean iad was kind of iad for me IAD never really worked very well and i don't think mark did for marky but um you know, not as well. I mean, AdMob kind of ate their lunch, right? But uh, I mean, I can't remember why Apple. I mean, it just didn't seem to work. I don't think Apple was getting anything out of it, and it was it was kind of dragging the brand down too, right? So it's probably why they shut it down, right?
2: It was just the last thing that I remember was I th- I think with Steve Jobs, and we'll have to find a video in the archive somewhere. I think when he was presenting it, it was intended more for like the General Motors, Coca Cola, and Huggies of the world, right? It's like we're going to make sure that you. You know, they're doing a really good job in these ads and that they don't suck. Like the way that ads essentially always have <laughs> right on the web, um, that they were going to be more like premium experiences, kind of like the way that people who um, in some cases for fan bases, they will gladly pay for some random movie ticket just so they can watch like the new star Wars trailer. Right. You know, that, that sort of thing. And the reality was it, it wasn't something that provided the kind of, uh, analytics information that the advertisers wanted, right. That's why the advertisers gravitated towards Google and Facebook's implementations uh, because they did do all that and continued to do that until now we're in a GDPR world where oops that's kind of less viable now so i think Apple's you know i point 2.0 idea if we were to give it a name it seems more viable now because you you still want you know the people with the money and the people with the money are on Apple's platforms because they're they're more expensive right you're sort of self selecting in the same way that you would just assume the people with BMWs and Teslas probably have money
1: all right um so just uh, this is something we were talking about uh, we talked about a bit and apparently it's sort of been confirmed, I guess, if you can call Bloomberg a source. Uh, Mark Grumman over at Bloomberg has uh, posted a point here that um, Apple is said to be working on a, uh, at least a plan to have in 2018 uh, face recognition and, I guess, more gesture-based uh, stuff, and we saw evidence of that at, at WWDC. In fact, I think iOS 12 has more gesture-based uh, um, stuff, even on the other phones, uh, similar to how, the, how it is on the iPhone X. But working on face recognition is, is the huge piece, and, and we kind of speculated on that because we saw that leaked... Uh, screen protector that somebody had put out up on the Amazon right but um, yeah so yeah this article and you you said you found some more evidence um, mean, is that what you linked to there
2: yeah there's a, a tweet here with a little bit of a video from Gear Rambo who's uh, contributor to a 9 to 5 Mac mm-hmm. and it's showing uh, face ID setup UI on the iPad oh really yeah and if you watch the video you can see the, the little smiley face looking thing with the circle around it you're supposed to rotate your face you right. know, at all angles to fill in the little diagram right oh yeah 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 huh so all all, there, there's there's a lot of smoke there saying that yeah we're probably going to get a Face ID powered iPad in the fall since WWDC has come and spoilers they didn't announce any hardware.
1: Well, no mystery that no mystery that that's coming because I mean they're um, I mean they've been I think they said themselves that the, just from a security point of view if you look at the I can't think it was maybe in the um, was it the iPhone announcement but the, the number of points of uh, I forget what you call it but uh, of of security or the or the you know the the level at which they can, you know, a face can be used. Um, what am I thinking? You know, the, the, it's kind of a number in terms of how long it would take to break a code. Um, you know, with with fingerprint. First of all, they're only using a small portion of your fingerprint, and uh, whereas face, I, face ID can can adapt to different changes and looks and hairstyles and things like that. And um, of course, it's backed up by the passcode, the pin code. So, and it just it works. I mean, I I, heard, I, I know, I've, I saw something about the fact that it's actually slower than Touch ID, but you know, for me. It's it's almost magical. I don't know. Do you have an iPhone 10, Hammy? Oh, Tammy. <laughs> Tammy.
3: You don't even know who you want to talk to. I know. Well, I'm talking to both <laughs> of you,
1: just like you just you're Hammy, right? Anyway, go
3: ahead. I, I do have an iPhone ten, which I had to get specifically to write the AR kit book by tutorials face ID sections.
1: Right, right. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, so I have pretty intimate knowledge with the face ID stuff. It's yeah, really and, cool.
1: Yeah, no, it is for sure. The whole true depth camera and, and the way it works and it just seems magical. It's very, very similar to what Apple does. And, and the whole gesture-based you know, navigation, uh, I just watched uh, um, before we started d- designing, um, designing fluid interfaces. I was talking about the how, how gestures work and, and uh, how they, they take a, a small flick of your finger and turn that into a giant scroll on the, on the phone, um, which takes away a lot of the effort of, of navigating around the phone. If they didn't have those kind of you know, fluid gestures or fluid motions, uh, it wouldn't seem human-like right, to you as a user and um, it wouldn't, uh, it, you know, it would, it would be clunky on the device, right? So that's a bit of a su- an aside on that particular video that I was watching earlier. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's it, I think, I, you know, it was, it was within seconds of using the phone that, I, that the gestures became natural. Didn't, didn't you find that, Jaime? Yeah, and it actually
2: was kind of weird when I, you know, I got used to the gestures on the iPhone Ten and how it operates and trying to use um, an iPhone 7 was, it felt foreign because I expected that I could flick from the bottom of the screen to unlock it. No, you can't. Right, you right. need to press the touch ID <laughs> sensor on the home button. Um, and, you know, multitasking and everything is, is so different. You don't drag up halfway and let go. You have to double tap or uh, double press the home button. Another thing. So it right, It right. took a while to yeah. get used to, um, but not very long. And once I did, it just, it just feels like it flows more naturally.
1: Right, right. Well, hopefully they get this this year because I'm, I'm actually in the market of I'm going to get, move off of my uh, current 12-inch, 12.9-inch iPad to another device. I don't know if I'm going to go to a 10, the new 10 inch one, or, or hold up for another 12. What do you think? Tammy, you have a 12 inch. What do you think about the size of the the iPad? Do you, would you go to a smaller one again? I think it's 12.5 inch, isn't it? 12.9. 9.7, 12.9. 12.9. 10.5, I think, something. Yeah. yeah.
3: I got the twelve ish inch one, and yeah, I, I like it. I don't think I would want a smaller one for drawing, but when I'm doing some traveling and I just need it to like watch videos or things like that, I take my gosh, I don't know if it's an iPad Mini or an iPad Air. I can't remember, but it's a smaller one.
1: Yeah, the Mini is the smallest yeah. one. Oh, you can upgrade.
3: No, you know what? It is an iPad Air. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. So I, it depends what you're doing. It, for you, I mean, you're drawing, so
1: yeah. Well, not always, but yeah. Has um, it a quicker Side here, what, what was the book we talked about last week? Um, I, uh, I mean, uh from Ray Wonderlake. I don't remember the context because they've come up with quite a few books. Is it the Realm one? Is yeah, it the those guys. Design patterns by Tutorials. That. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that one. AR out, so kit by actually. Tutorials. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, because we were wondering whether how what I think Greg maybe asked me what involvement um, Tammy had in that book. So now that she's here on the show, we can ask her. Like, were you doing tech editing, or were you actually writing part of it, Tammy? I
3: wrote. I wrote part of it. I wrote the. Chat. Chapters on the Face ID. Well, oh, look, there's
1: your face it. there. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's my face covered in zombie mask. Um, and I also did the final pass edit on that, and worked with three other authors and three other tech editors, maybe four other tech editors.
1: Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It takes a village yeah. to make a Ray wonderlick book. Yeah, we'll
2: we'll have it a sure link does. to that in the show notes for those of you driving at home. And uh, spoilers: somehow that is not one of Tammy's picks, which shocks me. Really. Fine. Oh, I know she's not very good no,
3: That that feels weird.
2: Yeah, you and Greg have that yeah. thing. I don't I don't understand this. Uh, but if you would just let the rest of us know what you're doing, then um, then we could pick for you, and you could uh, you know That's true. Humbly <laughs> well,
1: accept and, our praises. And, yeah, and all, all you have to do is send us twenty bucks by Apple Pay. It's very simple. <laughs> right, <laughs> Apple, I how to use Apple Pay cash. <laughs> of course, they can't send it to me in Canada. You have to send it in, in loonies. Um, all right. So what's the next thing we got here? Uh, I mean, this is a WWDC story or what? It, what what, what, what's going on? Yeah, it, it, it's sort of spoilers to, for our wwc we put our WWDC hats on and just, like, get into the W W C of it all?
2: Yeah, this one I wanted to point out because I, I was kind of curious what Tammy's take on it was. So uh, this is a uh, what's new in macOS. That's not what I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about the oh, the deprecated and removed APIs, which is deprecation of OpenGL and OpenCL. So they're saying...
3: Oh, I have a whole thing on that.
2: Yeah, they're well, saying um, games the and graphics-intensive Apps that use OpenGL should now use Metal, and similarly, apps that use OpenCL for computational tasks should now adopt Metal and Metal performance shaders.
3: Hmm. I'm all for it. I I, lo- I like Metal. You know, it, it's. For what I need to do, I don't need metal. Like, I'm just throwing a couple sprites on the screen, and you know, I'm not doing heavy, intensive things like that. But if I were, or if I was creating my own game engine or something along those lines, metal would be my choice. Metal is part of the Apple ecosystem, so it makes sense to use it. It makes sense that they're getting more involved in metal because it's theirs and less involved in everything else. That said, I was extremely disappointed to not see any any sprite kit or any scene kit or any gameplay kit or anything being talked about at WWDC. However, when I went to look at all the different API changes and things like that, I noticed that there were a lot of modifications to those frameworks. So I got to thinking, well, they're doing all this deprecating of these things that are not part of their ecosystem. They're putting all this time and clearly all this effort into making metal the next big thing, right? I mean, practically half of WWDC. DC is all about metal, all about machine learning, all about you know building up the Apple ecosystem to do more intense things. And I'm thinking to myself, hopefully, what they're doing is they're getting their stuff, their foundation built and worked out and solid. And then next year, they're going to swoop in with these huge updates to Sprite Kit and Scene Kit Now that they don't have to worry about OpenGL or OpenCL, and they can just focus on getting it to work with their stuff. That's what I'm hoping. That that doesn't mean to say that, you know, they're gonna ever give Unity a run for their money or anything like that. It goes back to what I said earlier. There isn't just one tool for every job or one tool for a single job. There's multiple tools for multiple jobs and sometimes you pick a different tool. So I think that's or at least I hope that's what's going to happen with Sprite Kit and Scene Kit and more metal stuff. And I don't mind seeing OpenGL and OpenCL going away on the Apple
1: platform. Right. Now, there was some talk, um, Jeff Biggles was talking at 360iDev 2016, I think, about, he talked about Metal, or, sorry, he talked about, um, um, what's the group called? Um, is it, there's another name for it. Um, but anyway, he talked about, um, there's another open for, like, because GL, OpenGL and Open OpenGLES and all those kind of things, they're like, a, they're open technologies for doing this. What's this kind of rendering called or um, computer work called? Help me out here. You guys don't remember?
3: Sorry, I was Muted. Are you talking about the GPU versus the CPU?
1: Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a terminology for it. I'm just trying to 2015. Maybe that was the one. And, I don't know. 3D graphics, computer graphics. Yeah. I'm Just no, hang on. I'm pulling, I'm pulling up my article here. Give me a second here. This one. Core
3: processing. I don't know what you're getting at there.
1: Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's a term for it.
3: Rendering it's, pipeline. It's um, oh, here
1: it is. Okay. Uh, supercomputing for iOS with. Oh, he saw. It was a talk about Metal, and he. But he also talked about other uh, Vulkan project. I think was one. From AMD. Well, that's Google. kind of
3: where it started. That was ages ago.
1: Is that where metal came out of? or,
3: or? It's, My understanding is yes.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, because he says yeah, here it, yeah, I'm looking. I'm reading from my my 360 iDev um, uh, talk for, or article from 2015. Tw- yeah, 2015 um, talked about the CUDA chip initially, and then Apple introduced OpenCL, which permitted to use the same code on any hardware. Open, um, and then AMD brought out Mantle API in 2013 for standard CPUs and embedded GPUs. Apple followed with Metal for macOS, and then the Vulkan project began to use AMD's code in Google. But he was Saying Jeff's hope was that Apple would adopt Vulcan in the future, so I guess they're 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 not going to do that. They're going to continue with their their um, with Metal, right? I guess that's where they're they're going to. Is that so? Can is Metal something that can be used on other platforms? or Is it only within the Apple ecosystem?
3: Metal is only the Apple ecosystem.
1: No. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of confused on it because the way you asked your question, Tim.
2: So it is only on the Apple ecosystem. It's unclear to me if if it can only be on Apple's ecosystem versus like enough, they decided to license it for Windows usage or something. Right. Well,
3: that's like that. It's kind of like the equivalent of DirectX.
2: Yeah, that's what
1: I was thinking, too. Which is, I forget.
3: Windows equivalent.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. DirectX is their their sort of... Computer heavy calculation y kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's very similarly proprietary to
2: its uh, operating system uh, as opposed to OpenGL, which in its name it says open. It's, a, it's an open standard that anybody can implement.
1: So there's a couple of videos that, that uh, like I said, there's a number of videos on metal in, in general at WWC 18, 2018 this year, but um, there's a couple, there's one particular talk which is called, I think, uh, Metal for OpenGL uh, Developers. So, so switching to metal is not. A huge giant ordeal, Timmy.
3: Wait, say that again.
1: <laughs> Switching to metal is not a giant ordeal.
3: Switching from Open, from, GL, from, to from metal. Open
1: GL to metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry,
3: I, I must have zoned out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never actually done it myself. I've never switched from Open GL to metal. I've always just jumped in and used metal. Um, now, what I can tell you is, from one of the sessions that I watched earlier today, they were saying that they've added some things that will make the switch easier. I don't know what those things are. I remember when I first started working with metal, it was kind of complicated. And then they came out with, um, you know, Model I.O. and and Metal Kit and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, well, this is a whole lot easier. So based on that, my assumption is they probably added more of that to make it even easier.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I remember I did some way, way back, you know, like 2011, 2012, probably did looked at some... OpenGL stuff, right? For animations and things like that, that. and it just it was difficult, right? Um, It was very you know very mathy, right? I just remember having to figure out where things were, and there was there was a whole lot of you know arrays of of coordinates and things like that had to be fed into shaders and all that kind of stuff, right?
3: Well, now you know if you want to learn more about metal, that Ray Wunderlich just came out with a metal book, right? Did they really access? Yeah, I'm I'm doing the final pass editing on that, (laughs) and Carolyn. And Begbie and Marius, how do you pronounce his last name?
1: We'll go with Marius. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, They're they're authoring the book, and so far you can get it right now. It's available right now in early access. There are a few chapters out there, Um, but man, it is just I'm digging what they're doing. Cool. All
1: right, all right. So let's move on to the next story here, Jaime from Daring Fireball. Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into it because um, you know we're going to end up probably talking about it when we go through what was an. At WWDC. Okay, well, why don't we do that? Let's let's just skip this and jump to that.
2: Sure, we'll have it in the show notes for those of you who are interested in reading the uh, the Wired <laughs> article that right. uh, John Gruber is talking about in Daring Fireball.
1: Okay. All right, so yeah, so we wanted to talk about um, our impressions of WWDC, which is why we're here, and probably why you're here listening to this show. So uh, here it is. Um, mine. It's it's kind of funny Wait, because
3: WWDC is happening.
1: Sorry, yeah. Where you been a under jerk. a rock again, Tammy?
3: I'm just being a jerk. Yes, you <laughs> are. You can cut that out. I'm just trying <laughs> to screw with your face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, where was I? Yes. So uh, pff, thanks, Tammy. That really works. <laughs>
3: Ha, ha, ha. Win.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So of course, this week is is the uh, big rollout of uh, WWC with the keynote and and the State of the Union and all the videos that follow. And there's sort of a general. Uh, Ray like tweeted out, "What do you think of of WWC?" And and his in his letter, his newsletter, which he sends out as well, which you can subscribe to. Um, he sort of his general the general impression from the community is sort of meh. You know, like doesn't seem to be anything jumping off the page. But um, and and that was sort of my initial impression because it, it hasn't really sunk in what's going on and i think once we go through the 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 10 or so points that we have here um it may in fact start to gel for people as, as it did for me when i saw a video by Rene ritchie or just a few, an hour ago um but um yeah so it's it's nothing you know again as we sort of alluded to in, in in the earlier part of the show there was no new hardware announced um and we have been saying for a number of weeks that apple had said that they were going to focus on on performance and stability um which i think they've they kind of have done here, and, and they even you know the beginning of the keynote starts off with that sort of whole whole positioning, right? Um, so why don't we? Do you want to go through these things one at a time, or do you want to give a general impression before we dig in, Jaime and Tammy? Jaime,
2: I think my general impression. I was actually really surprised by how much they announced. If I'm if I'm being honest, not to say that I was blown away or anything. Like I don't want to overstate it, but we knew going into this that it was supposedly a um, Hey, all the fun stuff was moved over to 2019. I don't know what's left here for being a quote-unquote like Snow Leopard style release where, you know, we're focusing on performance and stability. They actually released or announced a lot of really yeah. interesting things. Um Smaller things, of course, not, not the sort of things in general that uh, you would hang your hat on like, holy smokes, like there's going to be a thousand articles written about this sort of thing. Um, But it certainly wasn't a crickets chirping for two hours sort of keynote either.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like eating your vegetables. Okay, we have to eat of vegetables now right and and but the you know the chefs at apple kind of you know really did a nice job on the on the you know the uh, asparagus and the broccoli and the bro- brussels sprouts and, and all those sort of things that people cringe about having to eat they did a really good job of them and, and uh, so it actually became quite quite appetizing too and of course there were some surprises in there too so uh, we should we can go through this so but generally before we do that uh, tammy do you have something to contribute to your general impression of this year's wwc of course we're doing it not having been there. We're sort of satellite viewers, right? What do you think?
3: Yeah, after watching the keynote and the platform State of the Union, my initial impression was, what? No sprite kit? (laughs) No scene kit? No, No gameplay kit? And then I was like, oh, but these new things that they're doing in AR kit, that's really cool. And wow, all this focus on metal, that's really cool. And although I don't do a whole lot of machine learning or core ML, you know, I have an interest. But even that, I I thought was really cool and remarkable. And yet there's still this um, underwhelming feeling that I have over it all. And I don't quite understand where that's coming from because, you know, even the stuff that they, they did release that is like novelty and cool, like with the uh, the extensions to the emojis and being able to make a 3D avatar on the fly and the whole FaceTime with multiple people thing, yeah, that, that stuff's all really cool and it's it's not ex- even dark mode that that's really cool but yet I still feel underwhelmed and i I can't quite figure out why someone did say to me that it kind of feels like being a kid at Christmas getting some really cool stuff but not appreciating it that's right. <laughs> that was a really good explanation I thought not mine it came from somebody else.
1: It's like getting socks and underwear in Christmas you mean or
3: exactly like you like eating vegetables although I, I like vegetables Tim
1: yeah no but I mean but generally speaking like you know kids think don't like them, right? So, where they don't tend to like them. isn't how they're indoctrinated. Um, all right, so let's go through some of the things that they talked about. So, we'll just use uh, this list here that i stolen from Renny Ritchie. Apologies to Rene. Of course, we'll put a link to the show notes of Renny's talk. He, his his talk, is, is his video is actually called Finally, and his point was there's a whole list of things that he's wanted to see Apple come up with over the last few years or so, and, and finally, they've done them, right? So, uh, he starts talking, uh, first of all, the first point is about performance, and, and I believe that... Um, uh Craig we jumped right in with the performance thing, right? So, um showing like he showed an array of devices and and the current iOS 11, which of course sorry, sorry, iOS 12 which has been announced and macOS um 14 or we 14, Mojave. Yeah, 10.14. Yeah. 10.14 Mojave is uh supports um ev- all the Macs back to oh, I've got to find my notes here now. All the all the Macs back to 2012, I believe, and 2011 iOS devices or is that backwards mm, let just check let's see yeah.
2: yeah you're probably pretty close because the iphone 5s is i think the lowest or oldest device for ios 11 if i'm not mistaken and that's probably around 2013 probably i would think
1: yeah let me i actually have the, the number here because I, I just sent myself my notes from um work because i did it on my work computer but yeah I, so i'm rocking a mid-2012
2: macbook pro and, and driving it into the ground until apple hopefully announces something refreshed and new for the, the lineup later in the fall. And I was glad to see that my machine makes the cut for like, just barely. It's literally the last one they will support for Mojave. Huh. Oh, here, let me let me look for WWDC. Maybe
1: where are those notes? Well, oh, you here.
2: look at it. Um, the focus <laughs> and performance beyond just like, you know, actually supporting those devices. So I wrote down some notes on what Craig Federighi said, he said, um, uh, 40, up to 40% faster app launch up to 50% faster keyboard display, 70% right. faster camera, uh, two times faster share sheet display under load and two times faster app launch under load, where um, he showed a curve of like typical CPU performance is slow to recognize that load is occurring and then it's got a big hump and then it sort of slowly tapers off. Whereas iOS 12 will jump that performance uh, boost earlier, which overall apparently saves uh, time and energy.
1: Yeah, and then also the fact that he said that in the keynote that, you know, the team, they have a tight collaboration with their chip team because they, they, they basically build the ecosystem that they play in. Um, they, 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 they said, he said in uh, Renee's talk, mentioned that he, they have a team that specifically focuses on making sure that the um, OSs are, are performant on the older devices. So they actually have a focus on that. And I mean, so the intention isn't that, you know, they're going to like force you into, which is everybody kind of sort of says, oh, they force you to upgrade to the next, you know, they want you to buy a new computer. But no, they're actually trying to make sure that the experience is just, you know, still still delightful on the older equipment so that in hopes that you'll buy, your next purchase will be will be a new Apple device, right? Not that they're forcing you there, right? So, and I appreciate the fact, I mean like you know, I'm running a 2013 um, MacBook Air myself and and uh, I'm happy to see that it still supports the older stuff, right? So, yeah, cool. Um, the next thing that we talked about was ARK ARKit 2, which is uh, quite an improvement on the previous one. Um, we have the objects in the screen can reflect other objects, uh, virtual objects in the screen can reflect other surfaces and lighting from uh, other things in the environment. So Apple's reading that kind of stuff in as well. And they have a, You know, they, had, they did a big Lego demonstration with the uh, 3D object detection and recognition of other other objects in there. Because I think Air Air 1.5 brought in vertical surfaces, as Greg mentioned last week, and, and now they're able to recognize other devices in the in the view. Um, they also had the new format, or not new format, but they've adopted the open open source format uh, USDZ, which is a universal screen description format, and then Zed is for Zipped, um, which will allow you to embed 3D experiences or AR experiences into emails and on websites and things like that as well. And that's so, developed in, in concert with Adobe and Pixar, right? Also shared experiences, and they had that whole demo with the game where uh, not only with the Lego guy, two guys playing like with Lego, they had the actual Lego, physical Lego, and they had Lego characters in the keynote, right? And uh, also they had that sort of table tennis kind of slingshot, they called it, or I forget what they called it, but uh, that AR game, and, and not only can two people play individually on two different devices, but you can also have people observing the same game as it goes on, right? So And they seem to be, as Rennie Ritchie says, they seem to be bringing AR, they're relentless about bringing AR to to the forefront with, uh, with people.
3: That Swift Shot game you were just talking about is kind of fun. I just loaded it up on my iPad just before the call, actually, and it's really good. I'm impressed with the improvements that they've made to AR kit too, with regards to the tracking and things like that. I still feel like the technology has a ways to go, but it has it has really improved over the last year.
1: So, so what about my my predictions? So, one of my predictions, I and mean, Greg was sort of telling me that I failed, was I said that they were going to come up with some sort of gaming version of AR kit. Does this not count as a close approximate <laughs> We will thing? we will split those hairs when we get to. Uh, you may have noticed
2: the fourteenth item that I oh. put on there uh, last week's predictions. Scoring because I think people will be very interested to see how we end up scoring things. Hey, I never a right, chance okay, to make funny, my okay, predictions.
3: Funny. Can I make them now?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it'll have to be on the honor system, right? Um, you'll, be, you'll be like the Martha Stewart of predictors, <laughs> yeah. right? You already got you already got That's one in it. the oven, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, the other thing they brought they mentioned was theory shortcuts, which uh, is is I think it's so. Before we dig into that, I have a question for Jaime on this one. But before I get there, um, so yeah, this is basically allows your applications or allows you to have your application um, respond to commands that Siri can can uh, feed into it. So you can, if you're like Domino's, you can say, you know, have somebody order their Domino's pizza, that kind of thing, right? Um, you also have sequential tasks where you can ask, uh, have Siri perform a number of things, you know, steps in, in what it is. Like currently, Siri is kind of dumb. She can do one thing at a time and she forgets what you just asked her two minutes ago, whereas I guess now with shortcuts, you can actually string them together. And essentially, it's basically workflow for Siri is what this has become. And, and, um, and as we all talked about before, Apple acquired workflow a while ago. In fact, uh, we're fans of Ayaka Nonaka. Uh, she was actually doing a talk today on, on Siri shortcuts on, on Wednesday. Today's Wednesday as we record here. Um, and yeah, they're kind of closing the gap on, on what Alexa and, uh, and, uh, Google Home is doing. So I, that's where it leads to my next question to Jaime. And that is, what do you think about Siri shortcuts? Does this matter? your, uh, desire to have, um, what do you call them on Alexa sketches or something like that, or skills on
2: the echo and actions on the Google home? Um, yes and no. Yes. In that it, it does provide some of the power of being able to, um, you know, compose your own things. And as you mentioned, they've, they've reskinned the workflow app into the shortcuts app and they've made part of that infrastructure available, uh, sort of globally as Siri shortcuts or in Siri suggestions. Um, it's good. Um, it's and we'll get into more of the splitting hairs when it comes to scoring my prediction. Um, it's not quite. It's not quite the same because I was hoping for a, um, a more of a web services oriented play. Um, and Apple is continuing to use the device, the iPhone device, as the sort of center of the universe here, um, which has its pros and cons. Right? It, it certainly has a, a privacy pro in that you're not sending your data off to some mysterious web service somewhere and who knows what nefarious things people are doing with that data. That's true. The con is that if you had a, a web service that tells you, I don't know, you know what's the weather going to be like today? Well, you would more or less develop it once uh, as a web service, and then you can put the little thin candy shell interaction that the uh, Amazon Echo requires and that the Google Home requires. And then you would go develop it completely separately for the iPhone. is sort of what it feels like because you wouldn't have the ability to send... And, um, arbitrary updates are or, or have uh you know that same information but you know just put apple's thin candy shell over the top it's more like oh guess what you get to go develop this inside of your iOS app and it also sort of has the the downside in my opinion of well my home pod you know can only be attached to you know one iCloud account and so if my device leaves the house nobody else in my house can make use of the services so like, sorry reminders aren't available because the phone isn't within range like oh okay, well that's good in the sense of privacy, but it also sucks because it, it means that it's degraded performance or de- degraded capability because of something like, Oh, this iPhone is not available. So it's sort of mm. weird. It, it, it's cool that it works at all. It's, it's technically a developer story if we want to call it that for the home pod, but it's not quite what I was hoping for.
1: Right. Right. But I think it's cool though. I, I think I saw some of the talks where they were saying that, you know, you can, as much as I said before, you can empower your apps by having it respond to C re-commands, kind of like the what do they call them? Um, in, what do they call them? Instances or no? Intense, uh, intense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have serious, series intense through this easier, to, easier to use mechanism. But I, I did, I thought I saw them say that you could share. You could have other people's um, uh, shortcuts appear in your app, like like from other third parties, right? Like not just Jaime's shortcuts. You know what I mean? Like you could have some of my shortcuts in there. Because you know how you you sent me that that um, one particular workflow from from your app, right? Which uh, we. Can talk about mm-hmm. uh, where you, you ask Siri to tell you or, somebody, or I guess a voiceover to tell you who the best uh, podcast for iOS development is, right? That one?
2: Right, right. Uh, a, a workflow that I stitched together from the components that the workflow app provides.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And yeah, so th- there are some bits that are pretty cool. Like I don't want to downplay the fact that you can create your own key phrase for mm-hmm. these things, which is like user selected, not developer selected. So right. um, I can imagine that people who have a uh, an IoT, and Internet of Things teapot are almost certainly going to have tea, Earl Grey hot as their trigger, right? <laughs> because why not, if you're a Star Trek fan, why wouldn't you make it that way? And and if I'm, uh, you know, the maker of, you know, IO teapot, you know, I don't want to get sued by Paramount and CBS. I couldn't make that the trigger phrase. But you, as an individual user, you have the ability to do that. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. That's something that I've not yet
1: seen on the Google Assistant or the Amazon Alexa. I don't know. I think Tammy's still wearing her tinfoil hat when it comes to Siri, right?
3: Yeah, but, um... I'm going to need two tinfoil
1: hats now. <laughs> yeah, the other the other interesting thing that they came up with uh, is screen time, which is basically uh, allows you to, I guess, be more uh, aware of how much uh, um, square time you're having. A friend of mine calls it square. No, no more square for her kids. But um, yeah, it keeps track of how much time you're spending in particular apps, and you can look at reports on on that kind of stuff. And uh, they've added a do not disturb kind of mode as well, so you can you can tell it what you know. You can sort of set the notifications as to how they're notifying you right I believe there's group notifications too I'm not sure if that's part of the same process but um, it gives you sort of uh, uh, as Renee Richard says it gives you the information to make informed decisions about the use of your devices you know so it it can you can set time limits on how much you want to use an app and um, there's one thing like you you can tell it when you're when it's bedtime to not bother you or show you notifications and that kind of stuff but my solution for it is I just leave my phone you know in the basement and don't take it to the bedroom with me but I guess that's some people just don't do that right so you think about screen time. Tammy, you want to go first on this one? Sure.
3: I think screen time is a good idea. The way that I think about screen time and what Apple can monitor, I, I think it'll be good for people who are trying to monitor those things. It's it's difficult to figure out where you're spending all your time. You know, are you spending all your time scrolling through Facebook or are you spending all your time looking at your Trello boards? because sometimes what what we're actually doing feels very much different than what we think we're doing so that I think that'll help you know adults manage their time better i think that if if you are concerned about what your child is doing you know on their phone at their screen and and you don't have any other way to find that out then cool for you you know use that for that me personally scares the hell out of me um, you know because sure i can use it to better myself or to help you know with what my children are doing, but if I can see it, you know damn well someone else can see it, and it's a big security risk for me, and yeah, I'm sure that they've got everything encrypted, and only you have access to this special key, but still... I just, I don't trust it. I right.
1: don't like it. Well, so for me, like I, I'm a lazy timekeeper. So, um, I used to, I wrote my own timekeeping app when I was, when I was working for myself and I need to invoice people for my time. Right. Um, I actually run an app on here that I got through the setup people and I'm still using setup as we talked about on the show years, a year ago or so. I think they just had the one year anniversary and they sent me a gift for being uh, on their thing, but there's an app called timing. And what it does is it basically logs everything I do on my Mac and it breaks it down into categories. Right. So, you know, there's like a web browsing categories and media as graphics, there's development category, you know, finance. And I even have a podcasting category. And so when I want to keep track of how much time I'm spending on things, um, this, this is kind of sort of the same sort of thing. This is running on my Mac. Right. And, um, it looks, I can look at how much time I'm spending on things. And what, what's interesting though, is that, the, you know, the, the, the assumption by the developers that web browsing is kind of like goofing around. Right. But I do a lot of my work online. Like, you know, we do all the podcast producing and, and, and we do collect stories for notes. And so we're trolled through tr- Twitter looking for things to talk about and, you know, read blog sites and that kind of stuff to gather this, the information we're using here so that it's not all goofing around. Right. But, and then, you know, when I actually need to turn around and, and um, account for my time, this is, this is a handy tool. So I'm looking forward to, um, this tool from Apple. I, I, and I'm hoping it's, you know, executes better than, than other people's, um, use of it. But yeah, I think that, you know, we can, we can, do tend to because you know devices are so pretty you know um like the bug and bug's life we're kind of just drawn to them and I, I wonder if if that's not a problem for a lot of people that they spend more of their life in front of a, of a device than they do taking in the environment that they're in at this present time right so i mean how many concerts do you go to these days where people have i mean i'm guilty of it too but you have your your iphone up and you're you're taping the the concert and the concert that you get on the on the iphone recorded is not the same thing as, as standing there watching the, the, the artist perform, right? Um, or, you know, you go traveling around, you, you're visiting some great mecca place, and, um, and you're on a, on a trip, and, and you're pulling out your phone and just look experiencing it through the phone, right? So, Mind you, ARKit may, may make that in future, like, hey, what's this cathedral? And you hold up the AR, the camera, and it tells you what gives you information from the Encyclopedia Galactica. Well, it can do that you know, now. What, it hmm? can
3: do that now.
1: With which apps?
3: There's a lot of apps that, well... I would,
1: That's a great use of no, AR. I mean, That's one of the things that I see.
3: I don't know what apps are out there now, but I know the technology can already do it. I mean, you can.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, there was an app by Yelp years ago that did the same thing, right?
3: Well, no. I mean, Apple's AR Kit framework, and it can already. You can. So, are we allowed to talk about AR Kit too on this show? Yeah, I don't no, know we how far you want to AR go Kits with so. what's been announced.
1: We're finished, AR Kit. We can't talk about it anymore. Ever. <laughs> ever. We can never talk about it again You're on this podcast. We're, we're, we're an AR Kit free podcast from now on. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead.
3: (laughs) So with ARKit 2, you can scan 3D objects and you you have to do it beforehand. You have to scan them and then it can then later recognize it. But even with ARKit 1.5, you could put, you could preload pictures and use those pictures for image detection and you can say, you know, hey, detect my image and when you detect my image do X, Y, Z and throw you know, a, a 3D model of the Sistine Chapel, if you take a picture of the Sistine Chapel. Not if you take a picture, but if you scan a picture. I was
1: kind of thinking more from like sort of a museum or art gallery kind of experience where you're walking around outside and you hold up uh, your phone and it says, oh, hey, this building was built in, you know, 1930 by Le Corbusier in Paris and, you know, blah, 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 you know. Um, unless you knew that, that, you know, I went and saw one apartment that Corbusier built in, in Paris, as a matter of fact, and it's just, it just it's sandwiched between two other buildings. You would never even know that it's an important work of art unless you knew about it. Well, but using I mean,
3: beacons, you can do it, and in fact,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like if you, if you held up your phone and and if you could hold up your phone and it could show you what the sites were, rather than like almost like a virtual tour, guide, can totally you know? do it right now. I know, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what's cool about it. But I'm what I'm saying. <laughs> we have digressed from screen time. See, we need podcast time. <laughs> sorry,
3: I, my head is pounding. <laughs>
1: That's okay. It's okay. Anyway, I mean, do you have something to say about screen time? Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm considering how to say it. So, because uh, I'm uh, l- like a loyal squire, I'm helping Tammy get up on the high horse. Um, yeah, you know, I I understand the tool. That you, you brought up a, t- uh, a usage for it that I hadn't really quite considered. Uh, more of an accounting basis rather than a
1: uh, sort of monitoring personal or health, a yeah, or or, basis, or yep. parental control sort of thing under his eye, as it were.
2: Yeah, it's you know, I'm not going to knock Apple for it because I think. I mean, there are cases where it makes sense to have and, and, and having it available and, and optional is, is good and fine. But I don't know. I guess I grew up in a generation where, you know, my, my cousin and I, growing up, we loved playing the Nintendo. And if you allowed us to, we would just do nothing but that all day. We wouldn't eat. We wouldn't sleep. We wouldn't bathe. We wouldn't do anything if you if you allowed us to do that. Um, there are no controls on it other than like a power button. And guess what? After like two hours, mom and dad would be like, hey, y'all need to turn that off and go outside and play. And that's what they did, right? that was that was like parenting
1: back then and uh it's not but you'd say hang on i gotta save this this game i can't quit oh no, man no. there is no
2: saving we might say hey look this thing doesn't have a save can we leave it on but we'll go outside <laughs> sort of compromise <laughs> right? there's no save state this isn't automatically saving like your kids getting off my lawn with your xbox live and your psn and everything like no it's like uh, i sure hope you wrote down the you know 64-bit character string that makes up the password um right yeah and and so i can see the like personal responsibility angle to it that, that Tammy uh, mentioned, um, but I think the industry is sort of moving this way. Right, Google talked about it at I/O that they've got a similar sort of service available for their app, or sorry, for their operating system for Android. So it's just sort of one of those things that I think Apple sort of had to do as part of the keeping up with the times. Right.
1: Well, I think it's about mental health too, like or whatever you want to call it, like you know, actual health. Like that, I think that was their motivation behind it. As soon as as soon as he started talking about it, I didn't think about Big Brother. or or, or my parents watching what I'm doing, although that's very important. I, I do think that it's you know it is healthy to go outside and play. To be honest with you, and and we do we can tend to get sucked in by the technology. And you know, I because I remember like I was a parent when you were when you were playing on your Nintendo back in the day, Jaime. And um, there was a lot of talk at the time about oh, video games are going to ruin kids. And yet you look at you know where we are today. The kids that played video games back then are are like the you know the people that are excelling in in this day and age right as in workplaces and and you know whatever right so we were wrong about that but we were concerned about it but by the same token though it, it does have a sort of an addictive po- uh, potential right there are some some kids that it, it's pretty bad on you know you have to sort of really be on top of them about how much time they spend there anyway let's move on because we have a lot of stuff to cover here we're only on number six um emoji me emoji, and dev with the hair emoji what do you think about that <laughs>
2: I, I think uh, putting my Mark, you know, Doctor Mark Rubin hat on, it's sort of weird because it's shown at WWDC. It doesn't, as far as I know, have any developer
1: story. I didn't see it linked to any sessions. Um, it feels well, the more keynote like is something for public, right? All Sorry? All... I mean, the keynote is for the public. It's not for necessarily for developers, right? True.
2: So, so there is that, you know, semi marketing angle, but it also feels like mm, you could have just saved it for September with the iPhone release, right? Because it's it's not oh, true. something yeah, yeah. that we can deal with. I think the example, Mark brought up with sticker packs where at least we could make those. As far as I know, you can't you know, uh, create your like an MTJC-branded Memoji that we can offer on the store. Um, I think it's it's really cool. It's, it's, it looks really nice. It, it reminds a lot of people of the uh, Nintendo Wii and its Mii avatars Memoji, Mii
1: yeah. avatars yeah.
2: that people have. Yeah. So it, it looks really cool. that They showed off the advanced face tracking that they can do and uh, uh, tongue detection so they could detect that the tongue is coming out of your face that's neat it's neat as a technical demo it's neat as something that uh we will all enjoy for the first couple of months and then we'll probably start forgetting about it but it, it's still really cool tech
1: yeah you know it's do you remember the airplay airplay mode video they did last year this yeah. is around this time was that last was it what did the emoji come out at wwc last year i
2: believe no you know what it would have been for the iphone release
1: oh okay because he has a member joe and or not joe but uh, dave wilkes created that video for airplane mode right like almost like within the Week of it coming out,
2: yeah, they're both they're both in uh, airplane mode,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, it's kind of like I again I look at that and you know I, I didn't I mean I know a ton of developers who I've been following during the week have, have downloaded iOS twelve and built their emoji and thrown it up on Twitter already, right? So um, yeah, so I'm looking at you, but um, <laughs> you know, to me, it's like you know it's it's gimmicky and somebody actually somebody one of the one of our, our colleagues created a um, an, an emoji with a with a fedora. A hat on and a gray beard, and it looks more like me than it does like them, right? So, but anyway, so uh I don't know. It's it's interesting, and, and I think I mentioned last week that this kind of I my impression is that this is for a different demographic than I am in. I think for sure, and maybe Mark, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it, it sells iPhones um, if people think that that's what they have to do to, to get a new one, and certainly they do if they they don't have a um, true depth sensor enabled phone. It right. Also, shouldn't be discounted as a carrot to get people to install iOS 12, right. not only for you know all the business reasons, Apple might want that, but also it's sort of a Trojan horse way of getting people to install a massive security patch update, right? Like, <laughs> Interesting. Right? Like, hey, you, you a little, little sugar makes the medicine go down. Right. And, yeah, and this Mary is Poppins. how the Oasis starts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's move on. Um, FaceTime group calls. What do you think about that? I mean, I know, you know, Carol uses FaceTime with the grandkids, but that's about the, I mean, other than, you know, we all use zoom and we all use um, Skype and things like that. Usually with the video turned off, by the way, this does support FaceTime audio. I saw somebody ask about that, you know, up to 32 people on a call. Um,
3: Can I be honest with you? I didn't sure. even know it couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Cause you remember iChat used to do group chats.
3: Yeah. When I, it? when they announced that I was like, wait, it doesn't do that already. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea.
2: Yeah. This is interesting. Cause I think I had the same idea and we're going to have to fact check this in the future i think when facetime was originally announced it might have had that capability and this is like the time that you know uh, steve Jobs said oh yeah you know we're gonna make it an open standard and then it turned out that they were running afoul of some sort of patent somewhere oh so they okay. had to redo the way that facetime uh, protocol worked and that probably is where they lost the group capability if it ever had it at all because it's well it didn't have it on the mac
1: though i do remember they used to used to have be able to have three or four people on the mac and you had that sort of parallax you know sort of fake perspective where the person in the met center would be square and the rest would be on an angle don't you remember that you'd have like yourself plus three other people on the call like the iChat days was that yeah 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 Yeah. that's yeah that's i think that's where facetime came from wasn't it isn't that what facetime is i'm not sure again it's lost in the uh annals of the time time, the history go back into the Wayback machine and look it up yeah Yeah.
2: the the ui people were sort of picking on but like how are you going to show 32 people on a face call, time call on a phone, and have it make yeah. some lick of sense. Um,
1: I think they probably did as best they could, unless they wanted to do like I don't know, just a grid Brady Bunch mode. Um, well, the look is very similar to maybe that's one of the features they'll add later. But that's the look is very similar to um, Google Hangouts, right? On on the desktop, I think, right? Where you've got you've got the people at the bottom who are sort of um, on the roster of people who can talk, right? We used to use. Uh, they just did a pod, live podcast on BrayWernerLike they just did an issue where they talked about uh, WWC themselves, and they had a panel of, of speakers across the bottom. We used to use it back in the day, but it became really problematic, and we stopped using it. But uh, remember those days, Tammy?
3: I do. I do remember those days.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so
3: you're not going to sing a song? Isn't there a song you can sing about those days?
1: Uh, no. no. <laughs> what were you thinking?
3: I wasn't thinking anything. I thought for sure you would have known oh. something. It no. just seemed like an appropriate place for you to start randomly singing.
1: Oh, like the, the theme from All in the Family, maybe? Yeah, something. <laughs> Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. <laughs> Guys Like Us, We Had It Made. Those were the goes, days. Those
3: were the days.
1: All right. Uh, what about Walkie Talkie? What do you think about that one where you can talk to each other? Like, I guess Jaime and I could have a chat using our Apple Watches, and Mark can't talk to us because he doesn't have Nokia one.
3: Nokia was doing that back in the early 90s, weren't they?
1: Maybe. We, yeah, we were talking about certain-
2: the, the, the uh, Apple Sherlock uh, Nextel with its push-to-talk Little chirp. Hey, yeah. do right,
0: we have right. enough
2: toilet paper? Predict No, we don't. Get some. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get some dinner on the way home too. Do you remember people oh, having hey, that's this a great use
1: case? Toilet paper, and do you need it? Because my wife all the time she like she'll be at Shoppers Drug Mart, which is our our uh, what do you call it in the states? Um, Walgreens, right? Um, I get this. You know, hey, do you need anything from Shoppers all the time? Message on my on my my wrist and my phone. Um, Yeah, that's brings up a good point, which we haven't really talked about here. Is is I mean, it was almost like. Uh, WWDc Sherlock days, right? Because they Sherlocked a whole lot of things, right? Like one thing after another seemed to be they were. I mean, it seemed like they were Sherlocking um, uh, workflow with, with serious shortcuts. And what in fact, is workflow right? But didn't you find that this this year? Yeah, they also
2: showed uh, Craig, Craig Federighi showed how the camera could measure things using AR Kit. Right. So yes, sort of Sherlock's right. a lot of those measurement apps that came out.
3: I showed my husband that tonight, and Sherlocked his measuring tape. He was like, "What? How did you do that? Witchcraft."
1: <laughs> oh, so you mean you did it with your phone, not with your...
3: Uh... It's pretty accurate, too. Like, we, we were measuring a book. Like, I got a book and put it on the pool table. And I got my iPad, which doesn't have the best camera. I, I don't want to put the beta on my production iPhone X, so I have to use the iPad for testing for now. But I put a book on the pool table. He got his measuring tape out. I got my iPad out. I did a quick measurement. I was off by half an inch. And he yelled it. He didn't yell, but he was making fun of me. He's like, oh, kit it doesn't do anything anything, I'm like no wait I, I just wasn't being patient enough and this second time around i I didn't like over patience myself but I you know paid more attention and the accurate uh, excuse me the measurement was accurate at that point yeah,
1: yeah really I did see cool. I did see something about the I think it was in the so in the talk show he had a couple of people the the uh, I think the VP of AR and VR and one of the marketing guys was on the talk show and they were talking about um, this measuring tape thing and there was one thing that Craig. I don't know if Craig mentioned it or not but there's some um, uh, technology like that they're using to sort of make sure that they, the measurements are accurate, Whether, you know, whereas you're, when you're using the camera, you're using, you're just kind of measuring in 3D space, right? But uh, there's like a little crosshair where you where you sort of snap the line, right? Um, but there was some there was some other thing, maybe I'll have to look it up for our fact check next week and uh, talk about it, but yeah. Well, let's move on to, to Atmos, Dolby Atmos. What do you think about that coming to the Apple TV TVOS? I don't have an Apple TV. Um, I think it says a lot that they didn't announce anything
2: about TVOS itself, uh, like for developers. <laughs> and I think had they not talked about Dolby Atmos coming and, and you know seamlessly upgrading your uh, your iTunes library, it would have been one of those TVOS. Hey, it still exists. okay thanks. Bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, there's a couple of uh, sessions on TVOS actually. There's a couple of design sessions, I think, and technology sessions. But according to Randy Ritchie, this makes with, with Dolby Atmos and what's the, what's the Atmos sound thing that they do. Um Dolby or some other sound. This is a uh, Atmos sounders. Is it what is it? Picture picture. Oh, yeah. like HDR. No. What what is Dolby Atmos? There's, there's two. There's something they announced last year in the Apple TV 4K, and this 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 is the second part of the deal, right? Anyway, he was saying that this makes us the highest quality stream box streaming box out there. What do you think about that? Oh, they are, they already have the audio. This is this is video. This Dolby Atmos thing, right? Yes. No.
2: Actually, no. I'm confused because I thought the Atmos was the audio part, and that they had the HDR. High dynamic range stuff okay. already in the Apple TV. Okay, well, Again,
1: whatever. Again, I don't
2: own one, so, so my memory is, is kind of hazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But you, you two have one, right? I, I have the developer one from the first rollout. I think Timmy does too.
3: I have the same one, don't
1: I? Yeah, you don't have 4K though, right? No. Because I don't have 4K on mine. All right, let's move on. TVOS, it's still, it's still out there. It still exists. <laughs> it still exists. I mean, it got what more of a mention than
2: HomePod did on uh, on the stage. So there's, there's home that.
1: what? What was that? Home Home. What homepod? Right. <laughs> okay, just checking. So uh, wait, this brings us to dark mode. So what do you think about dark mode? So okay, here I have to say this. I know everybody at, at work uses you know the black the, the dark mode on their Xcode and whatever. I don't. I just I, I just leave mine on the default. I just I'm happy with that. It works fine. You know, I have enough problems with Xcode as it is. Um, I failed in an interview once because they handed me the computer. It already was in dark mode and I couldn't work on it. Um, anyway, so what do you what do you what do you think about dark mode for the Mac? I, for the dark for the Mac sounds kind of cool.
3: I have an opinion on that. I think that it's cool that that you can do it. I don't know why it took them so long to implement it, but I don't know what was involved in doing it. So I guess I probably shouldn't complain or guess what took so long. But I'm glad that it's, it's here. I personally won't use it, but yeah. The, the, so someone was someone I know switched it on today, and they were using it, and they said that it's really great until you open up a web page and get blinded.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So so the big thing was was yeah that's true, a good point. They um, they have a number of sessions this this time on um, how to uh, modify your macOS apps to make them look better under Dark Mode because there's, there's a whole you know contrast and complementary colors and if you know if you have a, a light color on a on a dark button and you switch to switch the modes you need to change them around and you also need to change your icons if they're like a, a key line icon you need to make it a, a solid fill icon and it's kind of like iOS 7 for macOS in terms of in terms of the amount of work you need to do to make your app compatible with with dark mode. It's kind of like they've entered, They've you know, as it is, we have a hard hard enough time getting people to write apps for Mac, right? And now they've got this, this they've added this dark mode, which creates a challenge for the, those developers, more work for them, basically, to, to make their, their apps compatible with now, dark mode.
3: I was looking at that completely in a different way, okay. right? I was thinking, hey, yeah, it's really cool that you implemented dark mode. I'm not too excited about that, something I'm not going to use, and come on. How hard could it have been to do it? What I was excited about to see with dark mode was all of the tools that they added in Xcode to make your app compatible with dark
1: mode or to
3: take advantage of dark mode. I didn't see it. As necessarily a way to scare developers away or to, to make them. Well, no, I'm not forward. saying scare them
1: away, but but Do you, you even know, kind need of...
3: to support it though. Is it, is supporting it a requirement? Because if supporting it is a requirement, then yeah, that's a real pain in the ass. But if not, they've added some pretty sweet tools to make it somewhat straightforward to get your app to go dark mode.
1: That's true, but 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 uh, I think Carolyn mentioned it on on the Slack that it's a lot of work to make things dark mode, right? Like that, and that's what I'm getting at. It's like it's not. Like it's kind of like you're you're almost obligated now to do it. It's like you know um, they've added this dark. I mean, and again, again, I'm not a, opposed to dark mode at all myself. But you know, if I was a Mac developer and I had my little my little project out there and I was making a nickel a month off of it, you know, I wouldn't be too excited about having to now support and get bad reviews because I'm not supporting dark mode. You know, like like that's what happens, right? People expect that you know things are just going to magically roll along, and they don't realize that there's some developer effort involved in doing this. Somebody has to take the time to, to now implement this, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it, it does it does add an extra level of work, right? It's like requiring people to support the Super Retina display on the iPhone X, which we all have to we all have to you know cross that bridge at some point in the, f- in the near future, right? You're right. They yeah. may make it. You know, it's it's kind of like okay. And the other, well, the other thing we haven't talked about is 32-bit mode, which is Mojave is the last OS that's going to support 32-bit apps. I'm already getting the developer shaming every time I open up apps that that don't. Have uh, developer mode. I was playing like just to clone the MTC MTJC logo or letter lettering onto the WWC artwork to, for for last week's thing. I had to open up my Strata app that I have that I bought on the Apple Store, and it's not 32-bit compatible. And so, I mean, sorry, it's not 64-bit compatible. So I got the, you know, every time I open it, I get the developer shaming message, right? Um, and that's going to happen. And then you know, once I realized that time marches on and all that kind of stuff, but um, adding dark mode has added. Work to developers, uh, workload, right?
3: Yeah. But it's dark mode. (laughs) Yeah. That's what all the kids are using these days.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, it's those crazy kids and I talked about them. So let's ask the other crazy kid over there. Honey, what do you think about it? Yeah. It's pretty funny
2: because I have, um, I have our Google doc up with our show notes and I also have my own notes that I did in Markdown from, uh, you know, watching the keynote and watching the platform state of the union. So the Google doc is blinding white and my show, the uh, personal notes that I have here are perfect dark mode within Visual Studio Code. Um, so yeah, and I'm definitely in, going to be jumping on the dark mode bandwagon because I uh, I have been one of those developers who uses the midnight theme, uh, the dark theme in Xcode. Um,
3: but here's the thing. I don't mean to interrupt you. This is what drives me crazy about the whole thing. We can already do this. In most of our apps that we use, we can already skin it the way we want. I get that not everything skins to the colors, but... When you, I, I don't know. it's just, it, uh, the whole thing blows my mind. Never mind. You can just cut this out. Forget I even tell me. <laughs>
1: I'm just gonna go I'm, home. I don't want to play anymore. Dark
3: mode. I can't even like have a conversation about it because in in the same sentence, I can tell you I love it and hate it and, and still be confused. <laughs> See, sorry, I may.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's good because I, I I I viewed it as generally positive as a, a something for users to have. It's it's not as if dark mode is the default or the only option. Uh, I hadn't really thought about the uh, developer checkbox aspect. And then that definitely is a real thing. And I think um, it will be one of those things that makes people consider like, well, should I do this part as an adjustment or should I just start fresh and new? It's certainly a lot of the things that Apple does are very focused on. If you are building a brand new app, here's what you do. And I don't think they spend as much time on like, Hey, you've had this app for 10 years. Here's how you can easily migrate it to something new.
1: Yeah. Oh, we should talk about that too. Um, Yeah. I mean, I thought, didn't we have like a dark, Dark. Um, I thought we had a dark mode in, and like where you can you make your menu bar dark or something like that. Did not we have that already? So
2: I' am not sure what the equivalent is on macOS, but iOS has had the invert
1: colors, which yeah, that's it's kind of more like a film negative. It, well, it's an accessibility thing, right?
2: Yeah, it doesn't really do it in any sort of like sensible way, you know, by default with apps. No, like but that, that's
1: to. for that's for that's for people with visual impairments who who have like macular ger- generation or whatever, and they can't they can't deal with the brightness of the screen. They need to have the color reverse so they can read the screen properly, right?
2: Yeah, but it, it, it has some, some weird things that you,
1: you have to deal with. Like
2: for images, uh, came to mind that like images would show like negatives by default unless you explicitly went out of your way to change that setting. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it was going to ever be an easy thing to do. Um, funny enough, just today while walking to the dog, I was listening to, um, which podcast was it? I think it was What the Tech with, um, Paul Theraut. And Paul Theraut is a long time, um, Windows sort of Observer um, he's got Windows Weekly on uh, the Twit network and uh, that he does with Mary Jo Foley and his take on it was kind of interesting where he said you know this isn't exactly new like Windows has had dark mode uh, and Windows Phone has had dark mode for like a decade uh, but guess what it really sucks on Windows and Apple got it right was his really? was his huh. take on it and, and granted he wasn't talking about it from a developer perspective like we are he was talking about it more from a user perspective that it will be somewhat more consistent it, granted yeah. on the back of developers going in and upgrading but um, I don't know that there was an easy way to deal with it, right? Like like we just mentioned the inverted mode, inverted color mode that, that does some really bizarre things from yeah. from my standpoint because I, I don't have the problem that you mentioned. I think it was what, macular de- degeneration? That's one um, of them, yeah. But it's probably, uh, uh, if not a lifesaver, a uh, daily well-being sort of thing for people who do need that option. And and hopefully this will be something kind of in between for, for those folks.
1: It's better on your eyes overall like to, to be looking at a dark screen and looking at white type on like looking at looking at dark mode is actually better more relaxing for your eyes and eye strain and all that kind of stuff and maybe even long-term eyes eye health or whatever but but what's interesting about what apple's doing and from my artist perspective i'll put my that hat on for a minute is they're they're teaching us in these sessions to make decisions about how colors interplay with the dark mode and they're they're talking about how they you know they have the translucency kind of thing that apple does to to you know make colors shine through from the desktop or whatever and change the, like they do on the watch too right and and in iOS uh, if there's an alert that comes up they kind of they kind of shadow the color that that's coming through they have a bit of translucency right to make it look seem more natural and that kind of stuff but they're also talking about like you know I'm looking at my screen right now and I've got my notes app open and I've got this one particular um, uh, article highlighted and it's got you know so it's got the yellow background and it's got the black type on it if I switch this to dark mode it's still going to it's going to be white type on a yellow background right which is going to be harder to read so what Apple is teaching people to do is to is to tone down the white type to make it, you know, maybe darker or whatever, more contrasty with the screen in reverse, right? Which is what I'm saying about the amount of work that, that developers will have to do. They'll have to go in and make design decisions about how to change the color of their dialogue boxes and, their, you know, their, what colors sit on, what objects sits on, like label decisions with background colors and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's where the extra work is going to come in. So, I mean, it, it, does, look, it does look cooler, better, smarter, faster, whatever. Ever, but I think it, it's going to it's gonna add some, some time to uh, developers' days, right? So, and hope to, who's paying for those changes is the big question I always like to ask. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing, which... Um, can we go backwards? We somehow skipped a, a couple of ones. How did we, what we, did we skip? I've got them highlighted.
2: Uh, Core ML 2. Does anybody want to talk about oh, that
1: Oh, well, we skipped that one. We skipped that one. Yeah, yeah. How did we skip that?
2: I just assumed you were winging it. We went straight from ARKit 2 over to Siri Shortcuts. How about you? Anybody? Make I fun? mean, I guess I like, can. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Tammy might jump in, Beeler? but uh, I'll go for it. Um, so CoreML two is has got some nice things in that it um, one really nice thing was the fact that they're doing what do they call it? keep calling it like quantization that it you know reduces the size of your of your uh, models that you would have installed. Like one right. thing yeah, that yeah. was a, a sort of a big problem with the first go around of CoreML was hey this Inception v three thing is really cool. Oh guess what it's like a hundred megs. My you know five hundred kilobyte app is now a hundred meg app because I included this model and they're doing some interesting tricks to make it so that your models can come down to a handful of megabytes they showed like some example that was it was ridiculous it was like 90 yeah, megabytes 90 down, down to, to three meg or something like that. yeah 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 which you know uh you, you don't want to go crazy and be like oh great now i can have 30 models I and mean, i wouldn't do that <laughs> but but you could if you're willing to keep the same size or you could have i don't know two or three and be in the 10 to 15 ish sort of range for, for these things which is really nice and and sort of paired up, but that is the create ML, which uh, a nice sort of easy way to use like a, like a playground oriented way to train your models using mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, transfer learning, which I'm probably going to get this wrong. And if anybody on the, on the show right now knows, or if not, we'll definitely probably have to ask Mark more about it. But I kind of remember that term being used when I talked about um, Azure's similar service, uh, you know, cloud-based service in that case where you would, you know, they'd have this pre-trained model and then you would use a handful of photos, like, you know, 50 to a hundred photos instead of thousands of on thousands we do that. All right. I want to recognize hydrangeas or roses or hot dogs or pizza. And from what we saw here, it looks like they're doing that here too as well, right? Where you can run create ML locally on your laptop rather than having to use an Amazon uh, AWS or Azure or Google cloud platform to do that sort of training,
1: which is really neat. I, I was going to say, it's interesting that, that Mark and and even Matthias was uh, Holman was saying saying that you wouldn't necessarily do the training on your, on your Mac, right? Uh, you know, up until this this create ml tool came out and i think they're talking more about mac pros and and macs that have or imac pros that that have you know more more capability more cores and that kind of stuff to be able to do this kind of stuff but um and again it begs the question like how often will you need to train your own model right so yeah i don't know that it would be
2: used in the case of real heavy production work i think i think you're better off using the cloud-based solutions for those mm-hmm. but i think it still has its place where maybe you want to trial out something you know just sort of like a rough sketch, or maybe your needs are not very, very demanding, right? I don't think there's, I don't think there's a one size fits all. I don't think it's always the right case to use a cloud-based solution, nor do I think uh, that it is never the case to use a, you know, locally trained solution.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on your, on your particular market. I mean, cause I guess cloud-based solutions, are they not based on sort of more generic things? Like maybe you have a specialist use for it, I, I like think- something within your institutional knowledge of your own, your own domain, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's not really clear cut because there are, you know, pre-trained
2: things like, you know, Watson X stuff available, um, you know, that's, that's pre-trained, but you can also do your own training as well. Um, Azure and Google Cloud Platform, uh, probably AWS, they all do this sort of thing where they offer cloud-based solutions for use our pre-trained stuff or go through the effort of training this thing. But in either case, you're paying money, right? Whereas here, you don't have to, if, if you were willing to just, I don't know, let your max sit there and spin overnight, great. You didn't have to pay for anything other than the electricity versus these other cloud provider solutions where, yeah, it it might be fractional pennies, but it sort of adds up over time because you you need to run these things for uh, lengthy amounts of time if you're training on large data sets. Right, right.
1: Anyway, we've been going for a while. I want to get through the rest of these uh, things here. Um, The next thing was, was, um, they didn't quite come out and call it this, but we're going to call it this Facebook blocking, Um, the idea that social networking uh, tools and other nefarious, like the, basically the fact that you have like like and um what's the other thing uh there's tweet there's google+
2: there's share on tumblr there's share on like Yandex
1: they can all track what you're what you're you're doing on the web as you move from site to site so they can sort of keep a history of you as you move around yeah like google thing right we're all we always seem to be signed into google um and you'll now get a warning in your browsers telling you that you know whether you want to opt into this behavior or not based on the sites or whatever cookies they're using and that kind of stuff, right? Um, and the idea that, you know, the sort of nefarious idea that they can do fingerprinting of you, or, uh, yeah, fingerprinting where they basically can, can they can extrapolate from, you know, your computer, your, your IP, um, you know, the settings, the apps you have installed, the browser you're using, they can sort of find a way to um, identify you, not by name or whatever, but they can d- identify you by your gear as you move around the internet. They can sort of track you and see where you're going and that kind of stuff. And that kind of, you know, um, is it seems a bit nefarious, right? In terms of, because most people don't even know they're doing that, right? So the idea that uh, that Apple's going to uh, help uh, help us by uh, hiding these likes and these shares and all this other creepy stuff that happens, right?
3: I'm not buying it.
1: You're not buying that Apple's doing it or not buying that you need to get less tensed? I'm
3: not buying that, that it's going to work.
1: <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> You didn't like the uh, tinfoil hats for everyone announcement on
2: this
3: one? Oh, I think, I think in theory, it would be great. I would love to see that happen, but I don't think that's the only way that they're getting it. I have right. had situations where like, I I know you're going to think I'm crazier than you probably think I am, <laughs> but we've had situations in my family where we've gone into a store, we've talked about a certain technology or whatever and stood in front of this tech and, and considered purchasing it, gotten home, and gotten ads... For the that specific stuff, you know, I rented a car from Enterprise more than once, and didn't rent in a very long time, and then rented another car, and then for two weeks I was getting ads from Enterprise. Hmm. So that they're getting to you in a different way.
1: Well, it could also be through your credit card too, right? That's the other thing. People track your credit card purchases as well.
3: Yeah, so it, it's it's nice, and it'll reduce some of this stuff, but it's it's not gonna. It's kind of like peeing in the ocean. You know? Yeah. Or, it's, yes. it's Going to help yeah. a little bit, but every little bit helps, so keep peeing in the ocean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i i think i think you're right tammy in that um this only makes it more difficult for it's like fighting spam yeah 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 it, it, it's a never-ending battle um a couple of things that come to my mind that the safari folks um squashed i don't know within the last six months one was people were using um like non-https resources on an https right yeah age and you would use like 32 of those resources Resources and, and sort of randomize which ones were, were getting requested and you could figure Out oh well because of the way that the Caching works within the browser Which ones they you know which resources they did Or did not request because they've already Seen it before ah that means this is This user because we've created a 32 Bit number off right. of this like crazy hack And another one that they squashed recently Was somehow related to uh, Very small iframes With different blending modes that They would pack over each other in like A very small area and then through like CSS rules, I think they could inspect to see what is like the opacity or the color or something of this little area and use that blending as another fingerprinting bit, right? Oh, right. Uh, very similar. They've created a 32-bit, you know, integer for you and whatever, you know, they would bring through again and be like, ah, there you go. Now we found, you know, the same user. Like they're never going to stop, right? There's tons of money even in a post-GDPR world for this sort of stuff. Uh, certainly there are people who are, you know, they're not going to be stopped by by the law by any means. <laughs> so uh, this is, I think, a, a multiple full-time uh, jobs for the uh, Safari folks, the uh, Microsoft Edge folks, and Google Chrome and, and Opera and so forth. So I think it was great that Apple is taking such a harsh stand and, and not just like, oh, there you go. It's like in the release notes for Safari, whatever version of Safari we're on now, um, but that they actually came out in their public uh, marketing face in keynote and said, yeah, we're putting a stop to this, right? They're putting their foot in the ground uh, and drawing a in the sand and then say like this this has to stop no further
1: yeah and people will open up google chrome on their their macs anyway and, and defeat the sole purpose right
2: <laughs> yeah like
1: people like me who uh,
2: enjoy the fact that uh, other browsers other than microsoft edge and safari were usable for the live streams which is nice mm-hmm.
1: oh were they mm-hmm. yeah I, I was using chrome this whole time it works great oh really i thought i thought it had to all be safari all the time
2: that was true every other
1: year except this year it was really? the first year oh. yeah yeah wow okay well that's good to know this is the other one that we talked about before and, and apple didn't sort of roll it out they kind of teased it a bit in the in the presentation because they kept bringing up the fact that they had and i saw tammy's eyes rolling on the slack when they brought it, talked about news and stocks and
3: Oh, forget, good lord.
1: But the reason why they brought those up was, it was not so much because they were trying to promote those things, is because they are actually iOS implementations that they're using in the Mac. So part of what we were talking about with the secret Marzipan project was to bring UI kit into Mac OS so that you could have some of the code, I guess, you've written for your iOS apps available to Mac users. Not, I think there was a big rumor was about whether what, I mean, people were speculating on what Marzipan meant, that, that there was going to be one unified operating system, but no. What it is is there. So now on on Mac OS, you can enjoy an App Kit app, a UI Kit, a Web Kit experience, and even Metal apps on the same um, thing. And, and uh, as Renny Ritchie called it, he said Apple was dog fooding the demos with their own apps with this news and and um, it was four of them. What are they news? Um, oh, iBooks was it iBooks? I forget what it was, but uh, they're talking about having all these. You know, they use these as as simple examples of how they could they could implement. Uh, these experiences inside of um, inside of the Mac experience. So what do you think about that? I think it's kind of cool, but, you know, that, that you can run certain or you can rebuild your app to run under a UI kit environment on the Mac. What do you think about that? We already do it with Simulator too, right?
3: I think it's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to it. I wish they would have picked different apps to flagship that technology, but that's a personal preference. I understand that it, not a lot of people feel that way. Uh, but that aside, technology-wise, I'm really Excited about it. I want to try it. I want to get into it. I was going to give you some examples of other apps they could have selected, but my iPad turned off. So (laughs) use your imagination.
2: All right. (laughs) Focusing on performance and stability in iOS 12, no doubt.
3: Yes, it just turned off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't know if this is the exact list, but in my notes, I have Apple News, Stocks, Voice Memos, and the Home app. Um, They seem like reasonable ones to start to. Dog fooding because very critically they did not release uh, whatever it is they end up calling this right like it's still under the uh, marzipan code name uh, somewhere and that code as, as folks have, have found out um, it's sort of interesting and weird that they said like hey we're doing this thing and by the way it's coming in 2019 so see you next year for that but i think it's good in that they're dog fooding it because i think we've seen time and again that the best parts of apple's frameworks are the ones that they use themselves right and like when they start forcing themselves to use uh, something like CloudKit. CloudKit was really good. You know, iCloud, or sorry, uh, core data syncing on iCloud was terrible probably because Apple didn't use it at all. Um, The, uh, oh my god, what did they call it? Like Gameplay Center Kit stuff? I forget what it was. Um, That was terrible. Actively terrible because Apple didn't make any games, right? They didn't dog food it. So I'm excited by the fact that they're dog fooding these. And if I was making the technical decisions, I probably would have started with, you know, I I don't want to knock the teams working on on these apps, but they're, they're not exactly the most complicated apps right they're they're relatively straightforward largely data driven so that's nice you know if you can if you can build the container correctly it largely just sort of runs itself but they, they seem like good prototyping aspects rather than like hey guess what we we threw this into Xcode Whoa, well, no you just threw it into the wood chipper there right the, don't don't jump off the deep end you know start kind of small and build your way up I think the thing that was most baffling to, to me and greg that we were chatting about is why didn't they bring the uh, the calculator out App over to Mac OS, or, you know, from Mac OS over to iOS, or from iOS uh, on iPhone over to the iPad. Even Weird.
3: Though, even though it's math, I would have preferred the calculator over the news.
1: <laughs> they would have a calculator on, on, Mac, on well, Mac OS already, right? Yeah,
3: but, think yeah about
1: but they don't have one on iPad. Exactly.
2: Like it doesn't come with one. Pre-installed. Oh,
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was telling Greg
2: that's because when they announce new iPad Pros in the fall, they're, they're going to say, "Hey, and guess what?
1: It's got a calculator now." But that's why record Forty Two, right?
3: That'll be. Yeah. That'll be their one more thing, which they didn't have this year, and I was like, "Really?" You <laughs> Pros know? need
1: calculators, so we've made it available on iPad. By the way, which brings me to: Did you see the Apple Design Awards? They gave an award to a maker of a calculator app.
3: Yeah, what, what was it called, Calcy or something?
1: Doesn't matter. Like, why, what's wrong with with um, PCal, which has been on, which has been a great app on, on on Mac OS forever, and iOS, and Watch, and TV, and classic Mac, you know?
3: It, it did look, I mean, it looked kind of cool. I guess I don't
1: know.
2: Yeah, and do they? I mean, has PCALC changed in any meaningful way in the past year, like visually? Like because that's what the design award is—you know, visual and and kind of how it works. My
1: my understanding like is that the it works very well to me. But I'm it's sorry. Not like, like, did I miss something? Did I did I stutter? What? I mean, it, it didn't. What what was compelling about this particular calculator app? It's like winning for for a timer app, in my opinion. You know, that what? sounds like next year's challenge. Then when <laughs> the stopwatch app, all it does is. <laughs> Do <laughs> splits? Yeah, but it, but it has large type, and you know it has gestures, and so it'll win an Apple Design Award. Is that how that? Works? It's got dark mode, dark it uses mode, AR yeah. Kit. <laughs> you know, yep, yep. AR Kit. Yep. This mm-hmm. is what I'm
2: telling you, Tim. You need to turn uh, Pi day natural countdown. language
1: processing exactly. Yeah. Pi
2: Day <laughs> Countdown. Apple Design Award next year. Make it happen. A
1: Siri Siri integration. So you can you can say set an alarm for blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh huh. Order more Dominoes. <sighs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Let's let's skip the prediction thing. For now, I, I want to talk about um, panic let's and bare bones the
3: prediction things because Tim didn't have any good ones. <laughs>
1: no, I had a great one. I I picked gameplay with with AR Kit and then and apparently that's I that's not I,
3: even a thing. What does that even mean?
1: What What I was saying was last week was well, I wanted to skip this, but let, <laughs> what I was saying last let's week was go to the was, scoreboard and let's let's talk about
2: we um, were
1: zero out, zero, zero out of zero zero out of oh for four according to Greg. So we all suck and let's go games. home.
3: I don't even know why it's like, my
1: bat. It's my ball and I'm going home.
3: Gonna beat you with your bat <laughs> and then I'm gonna throw the ball on. Top well,
1: no, of but you. I want to talk about panic and bare bones coming back to the Mac App Store,
3: okay, like we'll the talk Mac about, App Store
1: yeah, we'll, let's redesign. Let's talk about, I mean, let's
2: talk about them and then we'll talk about the scoring because hypothetically we could
1: have predicted that sort of thing. Okay, so so but the yeah because because okay the Mac App Store redesign. I mean, please gag me with a fork or whatever, but because like uh, I can't find anything on my iPhone now. I never go to the App Store now on my on my get iPhone. Get off my for
3: App Store. Hey, get my lawn
1: and, and now they've gone and they've, they're, they're pre- planning on ruining the mac app store now anyway which ruining is, too- is it really good though the mac app store no it's crappy too that you mentioned it but anyway so but i think the news for me is okay why are panic and bare bones coming back is it because of the fact that you have know, trial software like i think there wasn't there one big 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 bugaboo was the fact that there was no um upgrade path for for developers i mean where we get you know where, where a developer could make money for upgrading their apps Versions? I would have to go research again the specific
2: reasons stated by uh, Barebones and Panic. I kind of remember um, sandboxing limitations being sort of a big deal for them. Right. And uh, at least for Panic, I can't remember what what Barebones' thing was. But uh, the official story is coming on that, like, hey, you know, Apple has fixed these uh, sandboxing problems and uh, or addressed them in a way that is sufficient. And we're removing ahead and coming back to the Mac App Store, which I think on for Panic, they're offering two different. Different versions of their software I think probably so that really annoys way.
1: me about bare bones because I've been I've been a BB edit user since the beginning I have stickers from MacWorld 2009 or something like that right and so all along I've been paying for the software but you know I was a paying card car, card carrying member of the bay, bare bones co- community and then um, you know, when they went to the Mac app store I forked over my money and bought the Mac app store version and then when they got off the Mac store I went and bought the next version and now they're going back I mean seriously like as a Consumer, I'm 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 a little pissed off at them, but you know I get I get that developers need to make money and stuff like that, and and I'm happy to support them. But like, w- pick a model and stick with it. Yeah, I think it's baseless speculation, but uh, these are both
2: you know the kind of companies that that Apple would want to be uh, very friendly with and have them be very happy. So I don't know if uh, there was more to it than what is being stated publicly. I don't want to be too cynical about it because you know people have to do whatever they need to do, and um, it's in you know as the consumer side, it's generally very positive to have these things uh, back in the app store. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there is the voting with your wallet aspect, Tim, that is is
1: rather yeah. Rough. But my, it's like pissing in the ocean with my wallet. You know, there's Visual Studio Code. It works really good, and it's got a dark mode. That, I oh,
3: that it's free.
1: It's by Microsoft. Oh, so yeah. So all the more reason to to, to ditch BB at it. Yeah, sure.
2: The code is on GitHub, you know, open source, so you can you can contribute to it too if you
1: want. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Anyway. Now, how much would you pay? Zero dollars. <laughs> I just told you it's free. Oh, I, it's not about it's not about it being zero dollars. It's just about like I've always supported them, so you know. I mean, we were all. They, they, I mean, they were the leaders of the indie apocalypse migration away from the Mac store, right? Alright, so I guess we'll, are we going to talk about our predictions or we save that for next week when we have the whole full roster?
2: Well, let's chat about it because we'll, we'll still probably follow up with all right, okay, uh, Mark all right. and Greg on their, their you know, on the ground impressions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I've got it right in front of me. So, Mark said more size classes. Uh-huh. That
1: did not occur.
2: Like, they did not announce more size classes. But he did they get didn't.
1: more size classes.
2: We didn't see anything mentioned in the platform State of Union. As far as I know, I've not seen anything in any of sessions like uh what's new in Coco Touch. Um we, we joked about this being like a half or a quarter point because um like Steve Strout Smith was like tinkering with, with the Mac OS stuff that has UI kit in it and he was yeah. tinkering with something that sort of showed like what could be conceived as a size class operation where it shows a overlay panel and then as you shrink it it sort of becomes something different in its layout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, from the from the strict Greg Heo scoring, I, I think I agree that that's that's Each a zero.
1: I'm sorry, he's no fun
2: at all. <laughs> so you know, in the uh, in the official scoring, it's a zero. But in the uh, winning the hearts and minds of the viewing audience, uh, we'll give it half a point. Okay. What's next? Next on the list is mine. I said third-party watch faces, and again, hey! from strict scoring, official scoring, zero. They did not
1: announce third-party watch faces. I thought we had there was some sort. I thought there was something about watch faces.
2: Well, there you go. So uh, if you believe in the hearts and minds, you know, looser interpretation, you know, uh, street ball rules. Um, yeah, it, I would give it like a quarter or, or half a point because sort of Apple's new thing, it seems, is focusing on the uh, the Siri watch face that shows you timely things that you can do with uh, shortcuts and suggestions. And that's something we have not had access to before, and it's sort of like a customization for a watch face from third parties, but it's not really a third-party watch face. Like, hey, guess what? I'm going to go steal Rolex's IP and just make... So <laughs> I was
1: imagining things when i when i thought that i heard um Federici say third party and watch in the same sentences
2: he did but not third party and he, he probably said watch faces but he didn't say third party watch faces nor did they give us oh. any sort of capability to make your own okay. watch face <laughs> you got the buzzer <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one is Tim with gameplay AR kit again. Uh, yeah, I was mashing speaking, the two together. I
1: was talking about a game playing using uh, bring them upping the game as far as as far as using AR kit in gaming experiences. I wasn't I wasn't labeling it gameplay kit. I didn't get security kit. Well, I kind of sort of got security kit, but anyway. What do you think?
2: So I listened to that episode and I had mentioned you know Pokemon Go kit as a uh, as a rather glib way of describing it and and I think that is more in line with the f- flavor and intent uh, that they would have it, an enhancement to gameplay kit and or AR kit that would make it easier to make AR experiences for games and that really didn't occur. They did make improvements to AR kit. Um, as Tammy mentioned they've, they've made some under the covers improvements somewhere for gameplay kit but they, they really didn't make a like, wow look, look how easy you can just like, you know call core gameplay AR kit and boom you've got a game the way that you can with like the vision framework, right? So strict Interpretation, I would say zero. I give it like a quarter point on the the street ball a quarter, portion. No, a quarter portion. No, I
3: disagree. You didn't disagree. Which half of it. All of it. I disagree with all of it.
2: What you can't disagree with all of it. <laughs> They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's strict interpretation and looser interpretation.
3: I think that AR Kit does a lot of simplification already, and I think what they introduced in AR Kit two with the ability to have a shared AR experiences between. I think set up to, like, six different devices at the same time. That is kind of like bringing a more shared gaming experience. So I think Tim, uh-huh. even though he described it really bizarre, like, I still think he needs more points. All, right. see, he, all Tim time, you get, I was an advocate for you, Tim, and you didn't see that.
1: I did see, well,
2: who knows? So the rest of it, so Mark at a quarter point, me at, I'm going to call it a quarter point, and Tim, we're going to give you three quarters of a point. Ooh, three for, for a gameplay AR kit, because I think... Given what Tammy said, I would agree that you were much closer, but that's only under the loose
1: interpretation rules. All right, so three
2: quarter four. You can thank
3: me later, Tim. <laughs> All
1: right, thank you later. All right, so how did uh, how did Mister Hio do? So uh, Greg had
2: Xcode ten, where the ten is an X, um, hot reloading. Which is so what? we can we can sort of break that down into two. I don't I don't know if that was uh, like his way of sneaking in an extra pick. So it's just Xcode ten with a numeral and or not a Roman. Numeral. So it gets docked on that one, and then wait, 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 wait. So it is Xcode ten with one zero. Yes, with right. one zero, but not Xcode X. Oh, we want Xcode X? Code like X so Mac OS X, X. X Mac oh, OS ten, okay. sort of thing, right? And it's not a Roman numeral. Well, yeah, um, okay. And I have my
1: own snarky one hundred and one odds. It gets renamed to ten code X because we had a lot of oh, fun with that wait. last week. Breaking um, news! Breaking news! Hang on! Breaking news! App Camp for Girls is live on Periscope for the first time ever. Waiting for it to load. We it. This is like James Dempsey in the background it sounds like? Yeah yeah yeah. Awesome. That's so Game, or little Jim or Jim Jal Rumpel here. on lead guitar.
0: Oh yes. Anybody in here use Court data?
1: Can you hear Some it?
0: Folks do. I can. This song For those of you who don't,
1: you it's a bootleg it a edition of Morgan Disco Podcast. Uh, <laughs> right? And I think to... Gene McDonald is a conditional breakpoint, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, died oh well
3: <laughs> that was fun
1: <laughs> what is use as his background music here oh that won't work hang up you gotta stop it <laughs> we'll boot like that out just after after i get this done so where were we what were we talking about so we were talking about uh,
2: greg's oh right greg. yeah greg the loser how did prediction. you
1: do <laughs>
2: Hot reloading. So we were talking about a uh, a very quick way to reload, very similar to you know the way you can with React Native or Flutter or many other bits that don't require you to stop the simulator and restart it in order to see your changes.
1: Oh, I and, see, right, yeah.
2: And they didn't do that. So under strict oh. interpretation, this is also a zero. Um, I don't think it's even a quarter point because even though they are doing things to make you know the operating system faster and an app launches faster, that's really not the same as hot reloading. Hmm.
1: All right. So there you go, Tim. Uh, You you win with your three-quarters point. It wasn't three quarter portions. It wasn't about winning. It was about playing. We're all the game. winners, really. Yeah. So we're all, yeah, we're all winners. We're all winners. Yes, that's right. Okay,
2: Tammy, this, this is totally in the honor system because uh, you have the the benefit of hindsight. What, yeah, what was would your you prediction, have Predicted? You know, if you were on that episode,
3: if I were on that episode, I would have predicted sprite kit and steam kit improvements. I would have predicted and? ar kit improvement. I would have been wrong. <laughs> I would have uh, predicted ar kit improvements. I don't think I would have. Have predicted a shared experience. I think that's really cool. That would have, that was and would have been a shock and a surprise for me. I think I would have predicted some metal changes. I would not have predicted the deprecation of OpenGL and OpenCL. So I probably would have fared eh, in the competition.
1: All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, a couple of last hits here too. Touch ID with password autofill. The password autofill
2: stuff was really cool, in particular because. They they opened it up to third parties. Right. So, yeah. You know, you know, our favorite one password yep. gets to participate in the really fun, Hey, we're auto-suggesting a password for you, um, you know, within like your uh, username and password combo when you're logging into an app or website. So that's really great. I love that. I'm definitely going to use that. As I mentioned on Twitter, spoilers, whenever iOS 12 goes to production in September, I will definitely be making that one of my picks of the week. <laughs>
1: well, I also like the, the SMS token, like if you get a token to log into something or other you can automatically pop pop it into the the field as well, right?
2: Yeah, that's really nice. I mean, certainly there are people shaking their fists right now be like SMS is not a valid way or a very secure no, way of doing 2FA. Nope. And you're right if you're doing that, but people um, still do it. People still do it and it might as well be easier to use. Uh it's not as the same as TOTP like the Authy, Google Authenticator sort of route, but um you know, it's 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 more secure than not in general. It's Why not did you
1: call it TOTP.
2: Yeah, t- I don't know what it's t- time I don't know let me look it up do, do do time-based one-time password algorithm is
1: oh, TBT yeah you, you would think it would be TB oh, time password okay okay but
2: okay. Ot like capital okay. T time based okay capital o yeah. one and then somehow it gets the T in there for that time mm-hmm. and then P capital P for password
1: right but it's missing a B okay cool cool um and the other one was live I didn't I don't I didn't hear this in the po- in the keynote but apparently live listening with iPod the airpods you can you can put your phone down on a table and walk away, and you can hear like I guess sort of like a like a hearing aid kind of thing deal. Did you hear that one? I saw people tweeting
2: about that. Um, that's cool. They didn't they didn't talk about it in the keynote, but apparently okay. it's available.
1: Okay, all right. So well, so uh, this is more or less just about the WWDC keynote and State of the Union. I guess to a certain extent. What did you? What was your overall impression so far of WWDC from from the satellite view that we have, like watching the videos? How quickly they're delivered? That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. I I'm I'm amazed at how quickly they're turning around these videos.
1: Like one day later, I think for these. less than less than a day, like hours is later. It, yeah, is it less than a? Okay, I heard that's, somebody that's... complain about how long it took for like uh, what's new and swift to come out. I think it came out around midnight the day of. So I like, kind of like you have no idea. We used to wait two three weeks for these videos to come out,
3: and we I don't think yeah. we oh, ever yeah. had the ability to live stream them until last year, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you, but well, no, we had they had live streaming of one room, but not all three. But now they're now they're doing three talks at a time, right?
3: I think they did, it. I think they did that last year, too. But-
1: yeah, no, I mean, they did three, three rooms last year and this year, but I oh, think before okay. that, they could, the only, they could only do the main presidio, for instance, would be the room they would broadcast, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah
2: and uh, that's actually been pretty helpful to have the multiple rooms because there were a couple times where I said, hmm, I'm not really sure which of these two sessions. It's really hard to make a choice between, am I going to watch this one live and then lie to myself that eventually I'll go watch the other one, or <laughs> am I going to watch this? one and then lie to myself about watching the other one and um right the benefit of being a satellite viewer is i started watching one and said oh my gosh this is terrible and i'm not going to say which one because i don't want to you know Mm -hmm. have it come to light which session i was slamming but i was like oh my gosh this this session sucks i'm so glad i can just at the click of a link jump over to the other session which was much better <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Somebody, like, mm-hmm. somebody's trying to nail it down. Um, but we were chatting with Mark, He's like, "Yeah, I also attended that session, and it's kind of rude to just like walk out, <laughs> you know, especially if you're sitting in the front row or something."
1: So uh, I've, I did that. That's... I used to do that at WWDC. If, if I walked into a session and, and it really wasn't doing it for me, I would get up and walk out and go to another one. And then, try yeah, and I think you're seat. better off doing that from you know, like the middle or the back. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. If there's even a chance of doing that, because it, it kind of sucks to to do it right in the front. Yeah, and I think I think that's why all these sessions are always like, all right. If if this thing applies to both macOS and ios guess what we're talking about mac os first because we know that everybody or their brother would be leaving once the ios session oh, piece right. is done so they, they they know right they know people really i,
1: I hadn't really thought that seen that seen that pattern but but you're right it is so much convenient much more convenient with the apple tv to just be able to switch back and forth the one thing i find about the apple TV, well mind you i wasn't using wasn't using my phone phone remote app is the inability to rewind on the wwdc app you can actually go back 10 seconds or so if you miss you've hear a point again whereas on the on the or maybe that's on the re- video replays or whatever but uh yeah and my apple tv keep, my tv keeps falling asleep in the 20 minutes between you know waiting for one session to the next and so that's kind of annoying how to turn that back on but yeah it is super convenient to just switch rooms by just you know this video is not working for me and flip over to another one right
2: yeah and i i, I do think the the one thing that i'm going to also knock them on for the the live streams is whoever is doing the um you know the, the production work in terms of being the producer or in deciding which camera they're going to choose, and are they going to focus on the slide, or are they going to show the person? Or are they going to show the crowd? Uh, they really did a poor job on, in some circumstances where somebody's you know giving a demo. And I'm like, show the sli- show the slide, show the, oh, really? the software. Why yeah. are you showing like this? Look at this dramatic zoom in of the crowd. I was like, no, I don't give a crap about that. <laughs> you could yeah. you could have had a fixed you know focus camera pointed just at the presentation, and a different one pointed just at the person's face, and you would be doing ten times a better. Job than like look at this wow look we've got a crane going over the camera it's like no don't do do that when they're like okay and I'm introducing blah 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 and you know you don't really care what's going on but doing it during critical sections was a huge flub and, and hopefully they'll improve on that in the future wow
1: yeah I didn't even notice that yeah so I want to talk about the hyperwall during the keynote though so what I'm calling the hyperwall was the the screen behind the speakers before the talk and it was just um, all the app icons there and I think I think were, they must have been scrolling and. I wonder what the criteria was because I, I think I mentioned to you guys. I don't know if you remember, but in 2013 they had a table at uh, in in the main area there where they had a whole whack of uh, iPads. Somebody came up with this concept of putting iPads together, and they had a hyper wall of of icons just floating down, and they're all color coded, you know, color matched or whatever. The reason why I'm mentioning, of course, is because one of my apps was on the hyper wall. But did you had you guys seen the hyper wall before?
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't have photo evidence
1: of this, unfortunately, so I'm just taking this I person's do. word for
2: it. But uh, we have somebody there at WWC and they they told us or told me, or at the very least, that uh, the Simple app was on there, as well as the oh, really apps. Okay, yeah. so
1: I've got two apps that I've had a part in uh, involved there. I wonder if my apps are up there. Hmm. The ones I'm working on currently. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Cool. Alright, that's just a bit about the Hyperwall. I'll, I'll post some pictures of, uh, maybe I'll post a Flickr gallery or something of our Hyperwall extravaganza. Um, Alright, so have we got time for picks? We've been going for like a couple of hours now, so yeah, let's do them real quick. Okay, so Jaime, do you have a pick? I
2: have a couple. Um, the first one is I was uh, a guest on the UX Cake podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a podcast For UX professionals, focused uh, primarily on the soft skills side of uh, user experience. And uh, that's done by Lee Allen Arredondo. Uh, Full disclosure Lee and I worked together um, a couple years ago. And that's sort of the connection that we had working together as a developer and designer. And we cover um, that relationship, you know, design and development and uh, how the two can create solutions together rather than having the, uh, you know, Mad Max Thunderdome two go in, one comes out sort of thing that uh, I think is all too common in the industry we'll have a link in the show notes of, uh, of that particular episode and uh, I highly recommend the uh, back catalog if you're at all interested in the user experience design profession and, and user research I should say in there as well
1: cool alright what's your other pick my
2: other one is this resource on uh, developer.apple.com for uh, machine learning uh, building model which has uh, sort of the nice splash page for uh, create ml which we talked about and uh, one we didn't talk about but maybe we've talked about in the past um, to Create and IBM Watson Services for mm-hmm. uh, training your own models. Uh, they've got tools there for TensorFlow, um, uh, converting other things like Apache MXNet and other bits. So kind of nice that they've updated that. I'd say it's worth go checking out if you're interested at all, learning more about these particular
1: technologies. Cool. All right. So one of my picks is, uh, is um, uh, somebody has posted a diff. I've got a link to a tweet here, and as well as that, but uh, put together an App Store review guidelines diff. The 20, 2018 WWC twenty edition, and uh, if you follow that link, uh, you'll see it's a nice uh, looks like a diff between the changes that are coming out of the um, App Store guidelines and going in, so the changes they've made um, regarding that kind of stuff, and we, we talked about these kind of things before, which they're kind of nice to be able to see what was there before and what's coming in there now, so um, changes to kids' categories, for instance, you know, port um, issues, so on and so forth, so I'll have a link in the show notes to both the tweet and the actual uh, gist on GitHub, the you have the source, you know.
2: Tim, did you find anything? It, it's a massive uh, change list. Did you find
1: anything interesting when you were poking around? I hadn't really. No, I, d- I just kind of. I just thought it would be interesting for the viewers of the show notes to see, take a look at.
2: Yeah, it's, it's always good to see because Apple doesn't provide it itself. It's just guess what? These are the new rules. It was <laughs> well, one agree actually, to them and anything. You, if you want to be an iOS developer, guess what? That, that's what you agreed to. Um, it's good to be the king. And yes. the one that I looked for because I'd heard that loot boxes were, mm-hmm. were mentioned. and oh. I just search really? for that so apps offering quote loot boxes or other mechanisms that provide randomized virtual items for purchase must disclose the odds of receiving each type of item to customers prior to purchase really? yeah. yeah so um certainly we talked about that i don't know a few episodes ago probably um yeah. especially in relationship to ea electronic arts uh, star wars battlefront 2 and uh, the story is still ongoing it's it's sort of died down a little bit in terms of the the big fervor but uh, if you were looking to do loot boxes as your get rich quick scheme uh, you might want to consider that particular review guideline. Mm-hmm.
1: There was a, tw- a couple of tweets here by Charles Perry actually regarding changes to the App Store guidelines with respect to selling things. If I can find it real quick, uh, man, the guy tweets a lot. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, he's talking about three one three B, I believe. Uh, yeah, it allows the sales through developer website. Yes, that's right. Where you can you can you can sell software directly from your site and avoid the Apple thirty percent cut. A so great option for mobile apps, potentially ready to buy revenue provide developer for revenues directly. That's cool. So what does that one say? Oops. Let me in the back. So my second pick when I can get back to it is um, friend of the show. Uh, I've got to get her name right. Sorry. Friend of the show, Victoria Herrick um, reached out to me, uh, reached out to us in, in last week and asked for an opportunity to shout, get a shout out. So here's your shout out, Victoria. Um, she is a winner of Apple WWDC 2018 scholarship. Um, so she's there enjoying WWDC on that. Um, she's put together a couple of things. One, she has a website here, victoriaherrick.com, but she sent me a link to uh, her um, child's children's book uh, that's on iPad. And I know I mentioned this to Tammy because we were going to get her on um, Roundabout at some point. Uh, it's basically a, a, a app called Stevie the Snail and it's a child's a children's book that runs on iPad. Um, and I will take a look at this after we finish recording and so on and so forth. And But she also shared with me some information about how th- she got her scholarship, and so she created a, a playground, and she sent it over to me. So she created a scholarship. She did a playground called Space Oddity, which is sort of based on the Major Tom Space Invaders-themed custom protocol in physics. Um, so she co- showcased a rogue band of space invaders who adventure on, on their own, and even as others stay in the background sticking together, even as they fall. So this is her playground that she sent me, and I'll take a look at that later. So yeah, shout out to Victoria Herrick, and congratulations on being at WWDC-20 Twenty Scholarship dollar winner scholarship, winner. scholarship winner. Scholarship winner. Scholarship winner. Scholarship winner. Winner of a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> Scholarship recipient. The editor, the, the editor in the background, cackling because she knows what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, editor, cackling in the background. What have you got for us?
3: I've got two things for you. I have got uh-huh. well, both are Apple Award winners, uh, Apple Design Award winners, mm-hmm. and both are games. One is a Sprite mm-hmm. Kit game, and I just want to point out that Sprite Kit is not so
1: how was it built, uh, Tammy?
3: It was built with Sprite Kit.
1: Oh mention that.
3: <laughs> Why did that? The name of the, the 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 name of the game is Bandimal, and it's not really a game. It's a music app for kids where they can kind of create their own, um, what do they call that, Uh, looping tracks. And I just, I really like the graphics on it. I really like the simplicity of it. I like the fact that it's a creative tool that children can use. And I really like the fact that it was made with Sprite Kit and Swift. The second pick, as I said, is also an Apple Design Award winner and a game. This one, however, was developed in Unity, which I also like Unity. And the name of the game is Play Dead's Inside. It's such a fantastic chilling frightening game like
1: it's got zombies in it no
3: there's not zombies in it but the the game mechanics and the the fluidness of the character that you're controlling and the soundtrack and just the ending which is a really dark twist and i don't want to ruin it for anybody but it's just an incredible game and uh those are my two picks
1: Oh wait, it's free. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who made Limbo. I think they won before, right?
3: Yeah, play Dead. Oh,
1: that one. That's locked. cool. <laughs> well, uh, play was... the beginning for free in-app purchase for the full game. Oh, I see. Okay, well, full disclosure. Yeah, I think I have. I think I had Limbo, but I never managed to make it very far in the in that game. So
3: I also have Limbo, and I never finished Limbo. And as much as I love playing games, I don't have as much time as I would like to play them. So it's very rare for me to finish a game. I'll play it for a little bit, enjoy it, and then I'll move on. I never finished Limbo. With Play Dead's Inside, I absolutely finished it. I think I finished it in almost like a consecutive sitting just because it was that good. Every, The only time I stopped hmm. playing it was when my stupid iPad would shut itself off. And then I'd have to wait. No, there's,
1: nobody, there's nobody telling you to go outside and play when you were doing that?
3: Nobody told me to go outside and play and nothing came up on my screen that said, hey, you're spending too much time. In this one app, and I didn't get any right. ads for other apps.
1: Nice, nice. So you have another comment here for another another one? Sprite Kit. Damn it! You said
3: yeah. That was that was this. The, the first one was done in Sprite Kit, and that's that's my pick. Oh. My pick is Sprite Kit
1: in general. Yeah, yeah. But I was disappointed to find partially disappointed to find out the Altos Adventure. I wanted, I always wanted to make like an app like that where you've got sort of a you know physics and and sliding and motion and all that kind of stuff. But it was disappointed to find out he. did that in unity or they did that in unity because i always wondered can you not do that kind of thing in sprite cat you,
3: you can and i don't know what they did it in because and i just watched the awards again this morning
1: no they mentioned unity they did
3: mention unity yeah, he, yeah. Uh, so yeah
1: because it'd be like an endless endless runner it's i think this the uh, the hills and things are probably made um what do you call that when it's programmatically made uh help me out Jaime. if you're not going to say programmatically you could say algorithmically no yeah, i don't know no, that's another going word going for it. That. what's that what's randomly? that randomly what was that game that that was done um, where the worlds were sort of created um, through an algorithm? Where they weren't. Oh. So not programmatically, not algorithmically, parametrically. Um,
3: now you're just making up words. That's a real one. <laughs>
1: no, that was like, a game uh, that came out on PlayStation last year with the blue cover, um, blue tealish color. About and it was about planets, and you traveled to these different planets, but they were all made. Yeah, uh, uh, No Man's Sky. Yeah, what's the, what's the terminology for the way that's made? I don't know. If
2: we look it up, I bet you it's in one of the articles. Yeah. Old
1: A. Have you ever played it? Procedural—that was the procedural. That was the, that's that was the synonym we were missing. Yeah, like with the hills and all that kind of stuff. Because tiny wing, or um, not tiny wings, little wing is made like that too, right? You
3: can do procedural in sprite kit
1: Can you? Well, you and I have to have to sit down and have a session. I need to. I need to do a Zoom meeting with you. <laughs> Maybe one of your students.
3: Yeah, it's. I think it's actually, in fact, um, it's something that they added. Well, now gonna, i gotta, we got to, we got to do some fact checking because I haven't touched it in a while. It was something okay. that they announced last last year or the year before and it's i believe it's part of the gameplay kit framework is the procedural uh, generations for the maps they, they added it. They did, Maybe they added it the same time that they added the 2D tiling in the kit editor, or perhaps it was the year after they added that. But it was something. My, my brain is all funky. I don't remember the specifics.
1: All right. Funky brain. Well, I guess that's it for another week if we see, want to you find you on funky the interwebs. Town.
3: Are you not going to sing Funky Town?
1: Uh, I don't know Funky Town off the top of my head, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's it for another week. <laughs> if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? <laughs> Sorry, I'm good.
0: Tammy made that
2: go
1: right into my brain.
2: <laughs> uh, but where people can find me in the interwebs is uh, on Twitter as
1: at Dev with a hair. All right, and Tammy, if people want to find you on the interwebs,
3: you can find me at paradox nine two seven sinking funky Town. <laughs> funky Is <town. laughs>
1: That same song I'm thinking no. of. <laughs> no, it's not. All oh, right. Anyway, um, yeah, my name is Timitra. T I M M my T-R-A on the Twitter machine is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And we will talk to you guys next week.
3: Later.
0: This has been another episode of the more than just code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps code and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, Leave a comment on the website or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc every dollar pledged helps a lot thanks for listening we'll see you next time
1: For three hours today, by the way. Really? <laughs> Indeed, we have. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
3: My headache's gone.
1: Well, that's good. I'm glad we got rid of your headaches.
3: Gotta add more vodka.
1: <laughs> more vodka, <laughs> <than tang. laughs> vodka. And tang. Vodka tang. Hey, look, so we have an it, abundance th- of tang
3: th- th- because back in 2012, when we were hoping that the world would come to an end because of the Mayan calendar, <laughs> we figured, well, yeah. if it doesn't, but it almost does, maybe we should get some tang because it's really filled with a lot of vitamin C. I'm not-
1: oh, is that what it's about? Yeah,
3: I'm not suggesting that it's like an everyday drink that you should have. But in the event of an apocalypse or something like that, it's good to have on hand. But now we have an abundance of it over the years. So we're like, you know, we don't want to give it away because it's expired by now. So we just throw it in. It
1: doesn't expire. It went to the moon and back. Yeah. Well, I
3: don't want to give expired things to people. So it's perfectly fine. So I just throw it in my vodka and give it a little taste.
1: Right, right. So do you you mix it with water for
3: First? Yeah, water, vodka, and
1: Tang. Okay, so so you know, there's a song. There's a, a one of. I went and saw this guy play on the weekend because his name's Kim Mitchell, and he was in a band back in the day called Max Webster. On their first album, they had a song called Hangover, and the cure for Hangover was Alka Seltzer, Tang, and a 50, which is a, a beer from Labatt's <laughs> called Labatt 50. So Alka Seltzer, Tang, and a 50, and it's all over your Hangover. So yeah, well, it's it's part of the Alka- it's part of the uh, Hangover cure. So there you go. But they invented Tang to go to the moon because it's it's basically they found a way to powder it, powder orange juice so that they kept most of the nutrients in it. And, um, they just had to add water.
3: Yeah. It doesn't taste great though. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. I guess it depends on, yeah, I think it depends on how much you put in and how much water you put in. I to think I used to, when I used to just drink tang when I was a kid, I used to put more tang in than you are supposed to. You rebel. Maybe you should try that. Yeah. It definitely varies. It's kind of like Kool-Aid.
2: So yeah. I learned as a, as a young lad that the difference in how mothers put Kool-Aid can vary from household to household. Uh, my household put a re- Reasonable amount of sugar. My friends put almost nothing in it. It was really, wow colored water. <laughs> Wow, uh, it, and he, he came to my house and he was like oh my god like this is gonna give me diabetes like this is insane how much <laughs> sugar is in here it's like well that's the way we roll man we go with what the package says yeah just because you're doing the uh the homeopathic route of like there once was a sugar grain somewhere in this <laughs> yeah. gallon of water
1: but if you looked at how much sugar is in in like pop and and you know gatorade and and uh and what's a fruitopia do you get fruitopia there yeah that sounds familiar yeah but have you looked at the amount of sugar in those things on those little labels they have on the side of your food and drug administration labels you know
2: oh yeah it, it, it's insane how much is in there and mm-hmm. the the thing i always find interesting so the seattle area is one of those areas that is like oh my gosh we're like we, we, we got to solve obesity and diabetes it's so we're gonna prices. put yeah. a i don't know i don't know how much percentage tax it's like 10 percent, i think tax mm-hmm. on sugary drinks but when they say okay. sugary drinks what they really mean is uh soda pop right and uh what they're Specifically not choosing, probably because they're a political powerhouse here, is uh, you know, coffees from something like say Starbucks, okay, where if you yeah, get, yeah. you know, basically anything other than the basic drip coffee, you're gonna have an absurd amount of sugar in there, like before really? you've even added it yourself. And you would think, hmm, logically speaking, maybe this, you know, four dollar coffee should be ten percent more expensive so that we can, <laughs> you know, reduce the amount of people getting overweight, having diabetes, all sorts of health issues, because it's a sugary drink, right? No, no, no. You better oh, not really? touch our coffee because Howard Schultz and his thugs would come beat you in the back of the head <laughs> if you're a politician. So, uh, really? Costco, I didn't realize I think.
1: That, that, um that Starbucks. So, so like if you have a caramel macchiato or whatever, they already got a, a hunk of sugar in it? Yeah, go look that up. And that, that doesn't even count
2: the drinks that like, where they're like intentionally bumping up the sugar. Like, really? Uh, the frappuccinos the, and stuff, yeah? Was it like the unicorn frappuccino or something? It yeah. must have like a solid brick of sugar <laughs> in it. It was so Oh, sweet.
1: <laughs> a lump of sugar, yeah, yeah. The other day, I got a... I was, I was, it was hot, so I thought I would get something from Starbucks. There's a Starbucks near where I got off the streetcar, and um, I got some sort of... Raz, it had strawberries in it, and it was like a lemonade thing, you know? with actual chunks of strawberry in it. I had to fish them out after it was done. It was way too sweet, you know? Like a refresher? Is it is it a coffee, yeah. or is it... Yeah, no, it, was, it didn't like have... It had like... A, I think it was a lemonade. It was like a strawberry something or other lemonade, whatever. But they had actually... Chunks. Yeah, the
2: strawberry hibiscus uh, refresher is really good it's also yeah. very sweet yeah
1: but does it have a ton of
2: sugar in it or I looked tea, it, up, but right? it tastes sweet enough that i'm like yeah it almost, it almost certainly has a, yeah. a nugget of sugar in here nugget yeah
3: uh-huh.
2: and, and not like a human nugget like you would put in you know in, in your tea if you were having tea with the queen no no mm-hmm. no. i'm talking like this is a sugar cube you're going to give to a horse mm-hmm. like i think it's i think it's more like that and i don't know i again this is where i, I uh you know going up on the high horse of tammy like i think personal responsibility is a big aspect here um like i understand the the intent the the good intentions of something like this sugar tax of like hey people as a whole have this responsibility problem maybe we can use tax incentives or disincentives to change their behavior Mm. okay but maybe people should just stop drinking so many sugary drinks
3: Mm. i have nothing to add on sugary drinks
1: by the way, I just got to say, you know, this Beacon app that I recommended last week, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you have it or you use it or whatever, but, um, you know, it's been dormant since I got it at 360i dev last year. And, and it's just been, I've been getting like, you know, 10 notifications a day from it since WWDC w- w- rolled up. But do you think that's the MTC, MTJC bump or what? I have no idea. I've seen like two <laughs> or three tops. Really? I'm getting yeah. like tons. I just got one just now. Huh. Rosa posted an event in WWDC, blah, 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 live near WWDC 2018. Can't forget. Girls. I've gotten some, but I haven't gotten more branded. than two or three this week. Really? Oh, I've gotten tons. Yeah, let me open the app. This will go on the show. That won't. That comment won't. Are you be using like Tunnel bear or something to
2: make yourself look like you're coming from San Jose? Are they
1: doing some yeah, sort no, of no, no. like, geo fencing? No, no, here. Let's see if it'll. It, it was. It did have trouble loading earlier. So yeah. So I think yeah. See, this is the thing. It's a funny thing about it is I'm getting all these notifications, and yet every time I go back to the to the main app, I don't know if this is an issue with their app or whatever. But it, yeah, I think it's having trouble loading their their own stream. But I keep I'm getting I'm getting notific- here's one. From forty-eight minutes ago, dinner at San Pedro Square Market. There's one Lib Swift Core Core and Latte trip to Yosemite. You know, unsaved mutable raw buff, buffer pointer. That's the guy's name, I guess. Safe trip to Safeway to pick up some groceries. <laughs> uh, hanging around at the conference center. You know, Spotify playlists uh, from wwdc eighteen. Um, is anyone leaving earlier and can share a badge? Ooh, that's a bad, that's a bad bad idea, right? Um, anyone having one spare ticket for James Dempsey to breakpoints, Lunch at San Pedro. Square. This is just today, right? Lunch co- after quality session. So it's like, you know, like I said, I'm getting tons of them. Anyone have two extra tickets for James Dempsey and the breakpoints, which of course Tammy and I support because we are conditional breakpoints. That's right. Um, Wednesday coffee up. Yeah. So I mean, like that, how many is that? Looks like, like, like gotta be 10 or 12 just today. And then I had a pile yesterday.
3: So good for, good for uh, Ashley and her app. Right?